from novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slow Burn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website, www.slowburnwaco.com. That's www.slowburnwaco.com. This is the Dean. Good evening. Welcome to a live edition of the BCSN Sports Wrap. I'm Brian Fulford. That's AD Drew. It's good to be here with you this evening. Drew, what's uh, how you feeling, my man? What's the latest with you? Doing all right. Had a little bit of uh, technical issues on my end. Got some weather in the area, so was having a little bit of uh, trouble logging on and getting, getting in for the show, so... If I should happen to jump off, or the whole show should happen to jump off, everyone, just be patient. We'll get it back up as soon as we can. But uh, had some tornadic activity in the area which I live in, South Georgia. Other than that, well said. And I'm doing I'm doing better than a couple of HBC. Well, a couple of NFL Hall of Famers. One of them who's a HBCU alum. Who are, who are you talking about? I mean, obviously we know about the Wildcat, but who are you talking about? I'm talking about the Tiger, the Savannah State Tiger. That works okay, so Sports. see, there's a oh, Uncle, uh, Uncle, <laughs> Uncle Shay Shay, Uncle. Well, I, look, oh, you, 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 you have issues. Oh, you, you have issues with Uncle. You, you have a a problem with how he handled because hey. I, I don't think anybody wanted the smoke that Unk was coming with, and I don't. I don't care if you say that's the brown Hennessy or the or the or the or the whatever was whatever was flowing in L.A. Light but, or uh, dark, nobody wanted light or dark, whichever one it is. He don't need to do it anymore. Oh, it was Here's dark. my problem with it that. It was dark. Man. It was dark. <laughs> you know, you know, what my problem with that is Ryan. What's that? As an athlete, an ex-professional athlete who sits there and has said on his show with that other guy uh, uh, who will remain nameless on this show that, you know, he, he's gotten on fans who think because they pay the price of admission, they can say and do anything to athletes. And I'll be doggone if he doesn't do what he says other fans should not do. It's like the pot calling the kettle black. Now, 
if he ever brings that up on on his show ever again. You know, well, we'll, you, we'll, we'll if that was a fan, partner, bring it up. That'll be interesting to see. Will his will his broadcast partner bring it up? I think it's fair game. It is. It I, is I fair think game. it is fair. I mean, yeah. I mean, he and question is, will he apologize on his show, just like he wanted his partner to apologize on the show? Yeah. Hey, look. Yeah. The, you know what? That's a great point. That's a great point. But, uh, you know, I, I just, man, this is, you know, we, we're in such a, where, where, where did this culture of softness, this cancel culture, where did all, I, I just don't understand how we transition to that. Is this all because, uh, uh, end product of the me too movement? I mean, I'm, I'm maybe drawing parallels, but, but when did everybody get so soft? I mean, when did basketball players really start, getting so soft that you cared about being people have been heckling and saying things in the crowd. And what was it? They were always told you got to concentrate on what's happening here on the floor. And now all of a sudden for the last, I don't know, it feels like a decade, you know, guys have gotten really, really soft uh, in games, you know, um, I, you know, I don't know. It's just, the, the fake tough guy, the fake tough guy thing is getting played. You know, because none of these guys can squish a grape. None of these guys can squish a grape. And, you know, I don't think any of them wanted that smoke from Uncle Shannon. You know, now that that's the one thing I will say. You know, you, you can talk, who was it, Dylan Brooks, and then uh, who was the other guy, Stephen Adams. I mean, Stephen Adams, you let a guy kick you square in the, in the jewels in the middle of a game and did nothing. So, I mean, to me, you, you've, always, you've lost all kinds of street cred. And you right. know, you, you you get kicked in the ding ding in the middle of a game. You might not be able to do anything. Well, I'm fighting. I'm 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 fighting somehow, <laughs> some way. Before I go I down, mean, you, why the adrenaline is still there? <laughs> you gotta get that feeling back. Before, yeah, before <laughs> the feeling. Head, hits you, what I'm like, about. Hey, well, hey, what was it? The old joke uh, by uh, by Eddie Murphy one time. He's like, wait a minute, was that? Oh, it was like that 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 three minute that three second delay. Yeah, before you say, wait a minute, did I just get? Oh yes, I did. Oh, it, yeah. So before that hits you, you you had a few seconds to to uh, to do something. Like I saw a video the other day while we're talking about softness and stuff. I saw a video of a high school game. Um, oh, I can't think of a young player somebody relatively well-known on the circuit. But he dunked he, a kid. He dunked on a kid. Obviously, mm-hmm. he caught a body. He proceeded after the dunk because the kid is laying there. He walked over him. But what was worse about the walk, he stepped on the kid's hands. Like the kid was laid out like a body, like this. Two hands were on the ground like this. He's, I didn't. I don't think I saw the tech, but I saw the guy literally. He stepped on his hands. He stepped on his left hand as he was walking over him, and I'm watching his teammates, and not one teammate. Now I know. I know a couple guys went to go help him off the ground. Hey, that's great. 
and I shouldn't be on line. I'm Watch not advocating. I'm not. I look. Careful. I am. Be I careful. Am. I'm, trying to, I'm trying to work. Be careful. I'm, let's let's okay. change the subject, Brian, before you put your foot in No, your no, body. no. I can't change the subject because I already tweeted it out. But let me just say, I'm I'm just un, I'm just trying to understand why no teammates or how there was no incident or brush up by teammates of the kid who got walked over and stepped on. Drew, if somebody had dunked on you and they had walked over you and stepped on you, Never happened. well, let's just say in the one a, rare moment that I it was did, smart enough not to get caught. See, there you Number go. That's, that's you, right? No, no. Right. Yeah, I was smart enough never, never to get caught. Well, I would not be. All I know is, all I know is, this kid, uh, he deserves some something from, from, from his teammates, um, because yeah, you know, I can I give you another soft one, Brian? While we change, yeah, please. The college, I believe it was college basketball coach who just was reprimanded. I believe he was ultimately fired for disciplining his kids on the road. And one of the punishments was doing 300 push-ups. Where are you doing that? I, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't remember the particulars, but this was this happened out in California. Mm. This incident happened in, in California. And they were complaining about the 300 push-ups, Brian. Man. 300 push-ups. I wish. If, if for those who are under the age of thirty, if you would have known some of the stuff that us in the fifty over crowd had to do in order to play ball, and some of the language that was used at us when we played ball, shocking. You, you would you would understand why 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 our my generation. The generation me and Brian is in calls the younger generation soft. Yeah, I I, I just want yeah. I, and I say that as the mentality wise thing. You know, I I think yes. there is a a um there there still has to be room for boys to be boys, men to be men, uh, and at the same time, yes, be sensitive and aware of our surroundings. And our our fellow humans, our women, things of that nature. But but sometimes in in sport, in sport, in competition. I'm not talking about this other stuff. I'm talking about in sport and competition. There has to be a level of toughness, and softness does not win you ball games. Uh, so and 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 it, going back to the whole Shannon Sharp thing again being triggered by Shannon Sharp, uh, you know, the, you, you can throw out, hey, hey, you throw an F-bomb at Shannon, he throws it back. All right, it, just smile at it and everybody's looking. You know, but uh, you acting like you're going to come over and walk over to somebody or what? You want to get closer to yell expletives? Come on now. That's that fake tough guy stuff. That's where it all falls apart. Teammates coming over, what? I don't need your teammates to come over. So anyway, 
lost respect for the Grizzlies. A lot of people starting to think of the Grizzlies as a team that might go. I tell you, Drew, they showed me their toughness right there. They won't make it to the NBA Finals. I'm calling it now. No toughness. Soft. Won't make it to the Finals. Like John Morant. I love him. Great kid. Team soft. But anyway, we came here uh, uh, to talk about uh, one of the one of the bigger stories happening over the past week. And again, want to start out by saying thank you to everybody uh, watching. Already jumped into the uh, chat rooms on YouTube and Facebook. Yeah, uh, we got to talk about uh, Ed Reed, Hall of Famer <laughs> Ed Reed. How you find your day off, Brian? How you get fired, fired on your day, day off? off? Before you hey, even had a day off. Sitting, you know, was he – look, I'm still trying to figure out. 25 days in. Well, he uh, technically wasn't fired because he never signed a contract. So that That's my point. So 20, 25 days since the announcement came out that the school had reached uh, an agreement in principle, if I recall the original press release, to bring on Ed Reed as the next coach of the Bethune-Cookman University Wildcats. 25 days later, uh, it has all fell apart, and we have so much that we can expound upon because it happened during a recruiting weekend uh, in a nasty sort of way, in public, for everybody to see. And, you know, those are the kind of PR things as – Okay, let me just start. We have lots of questions, Drew. I know you're going to have some for me. I'm going to have some for you. But let me start with this one. What is a bigger or worst PR uh, hit? The stuff that Ed Reed did that initially was on social media or the whole events Saturday that played out not only in front of recruits but also on social media? I just – Quickly want your thoughts. Which of the two would you say was worse? The worst PR disaster from a Bethune-Cookman University perspective? It would have to be Bethune to be because you expect an organization, and for lack of a better word, the university is an organization, Bethune. You would have to expect which of the what two? Which of the two? The first one or the second one? Like which of the, the two? One. Which the of the two? Bethune. The, 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 the one that just happened on, this on Saturday. Weekend. On Saturday. Okay. Okay. I got you. That's I what I meant when I said Bethune. Uh, right. you, you you would have to say that was a little bit worse because you expect the organization with the size of Bethune and with the knowledge and know-how there and the people there to think certain things through. This was not a life or death situation where Ed Reed was charged with murder or something along those lines where you had where you had to usher that right there to there. Somebody right. should have thought about this from a marketing point of view. How can we hand we know we're gonna take a hit on this. No matter what we do, we know we're going to take a hit on this. How do we soften this blow? Mm-hmm. Someone should have known that there were 26 recruits coming in to look at your university to consider wow. continuing their education at your university. 
if you're going to do, and, and just think about these kids, there's no way in heck not. Bethune is probably on any of those folks' radar just because how, you, a recruiting trip is, spe, is special. Whether you sign with that school, whether you do not sign with that school, your recruiting trip is your recruiting trips are special. You, you know, you come there for the weekend. Uh, mommy and dad are allowed to come. Mommy and dad come. They have things for the parents to help the parent convince you to go. They have things you're supposed to have. Uh, you know, your college. Uh, somebody hosts you for the weekend. There's certain things that you go through and do, and that's been ruined. That has been ruined. And if it's one of your 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 five official, damn, I just wasted an official visit on this garbage. Yes, because the school That's did make it I clear said, it was an official visit. They they were very adamant. Uh, Why well, you know I use the word adamant, but it, it did come out that that um, uh, some people did carry on with their um, campus visit because it was still counted as a recruiting visit. Although there were some people who chose to leave, and I did hear from someone who uh, who was there uh, with his son. And they chose to leave, but others did stay and went through the campus visit because it was an official visit. It counted as an official visit. Brian, there's only one weekend left before signing day. Yep. So these things have to be coordinated as far as the children. They can't come back next week on a visit. Because they're, they're, right. they're probably going to be at another university next weekend. So right. I, I just I just <laughs> think because of that, that was the bad, that was the worst of it. Because you would think an organization such as Bethune Cookman would have thought, somebody would have thought about this. And maybe somebody did. Either they didn't speak up loud enough or their voice was squashed. And the powers that be decided not to to listen to them. The powers that be probably don't have or too far removed from their kids possibly going through an experience like this where they were being recruited and having to go on the, these visits. Because that's a moment that child would never get back. You know, they Let's say, talk about uh, that for a first second. Impressions, first impressions, Brian, bad first impression about Bethune Cookman for a 26 young man. Sure. Yeah. No, I can't disagree. I can't disagree. Um, you know, one of the things that you and I talked about when we first saw this, um, you know, and the fact that the contract thing was still going on. And I, I want to read the statement because we're talking about the semantics of Ed Reed's statement that he published through his Ed Reed Foundation, the actual press thing that he did on Instagram live um, and the university announcement. Uh, but you and I were talking about quickly before I read that Ed announcement, we were talking about how did we get to this point? You know, <laughs> because Ed Reed, if he wasn't official, should he have been out there in the first place? Like, you know, and I, I maintain Drew, I maintain, true, I maintain true that 
you're working under the principle of I'm trusting you. And even though we haven't worked, I know we're still working out the, the agreement and everything, but I know it's also important for our coach to be there. And I feel pretty, and I'm speaking as, I'm just saying BCU. I don't know who it is. I don't know whether it's the AD. I don't know whether it's a somebody above AD. I don't know if it's the president or the or, or whatever. I don't know their whole structure. But somebody said it was okay for Ed Reed to be on campus, to be on a golf cart, to be doing whatever it was he was doing for the week and a half that he was doing before he got triggered by some comments on Instagram Live and chose to, you know, go off, you know, and I, and still there was no, and we said it two weeks ago, there's still no introductory press conference. And, and, and then I, I honestly felt like, whoa, that just changed that whole thing that he did changed the whole tone for what's happening in the background because he embarrassed a lot of people. Now, a lot of people are going to side with, oh, well, he was telling the truth because Uncle Prime said, or Dion, Coach Prime said, the truth needs to be told. Okay, you can go ahead and let the truth be told. Uh, but again, the thing that bothered me about not all, all the stuff that. that, yeah, all the stuff that he said when he made the statement that in his week and a half that he'd done more than people who'd been there for years, for me, that bothered me. I thought that was the most disrespectful thing that he had said even though he may have been right about a lot of things. Or disrespectful to Dr. Kane. More what? More disrespectful to the Dr. Kane comment. I didn't hear the Dr. Kane comment. What where when when was that said? Uh hold on. It, was that said what, Saturday? It uh, uh I believe it was in the original one. Don't don't quote me on that, but it, I believe it was in the original uh one when he was talking about Dr. uh Okay, I, I I don't I don't recall, but I I just know if I had been someone who'd been for years maybe and had worked in athletics or any other department, I really would have felt some kind of way uh, about that, you know, and that was the part that I felt like that's where he's going to start having troubles at that point. And so, um, you know, all things were quiet for the week. Uh, maybe a week and a half it was. And it then, hasn't been a week, Brian. Huh? It hasn't been a week. It hasn't been a week? Well. No, this is okay, so the original the original tweet, the original Instagram post came out a week from Saturday. This is all transpired. Wow. Uh, uh, and, you know, and seven days later, he he was really he was told his services would not be needed. All right. Um, so, you know, I I thought he said a lot of things, and you know, originally a week ago, and didn't really give clear background on it. But in his statement that he released at uh, let me make sure I got the time of this right that he released it at eleven oh six. Saturday, uh, the statement from Ed Reed regarding Bethune-Cookman. He said, Bethune-Cookman University has been working with my legal team to craft contract terms with the language and resources we knew were needed to build a successful football program. 
It's my desire to not only coach football, but to be an agent of change that most people just talk about being. However, after weeks of negotiating, negotiations, I've been informed that the university won't be ratifying my contract and won't make good on the agreement we had in principle, which had provisions and resources best needed to support the student athletes. Uh, now, that's another little thing in there, Drew, that I always think, let's always bring it back to the student athletes, right? Because that's why we're all doing this. Uh, it's not about me. It's not about my ego, not about how anything I did or said incorrectly. You know, let's put the focus back on the student athletes. Okay. I was committed to coaching and cultivating a relationship with the university, players, community, and the fans. It's extremely disappointing. This won't be happening. What kind of relationships, Drew, do you build when you publicly chastise me about my house? That's like me giving you a room to stay in as a visitor in my house. And then you get on Instagram and say, look at this man. Look at this man's kitchen. This man's kitchen is horrible. He don't clean up nothing. They don't, they don't clean the stove. Look at the, look at the kit. Look at the, look at the, uh, look at the uh, refrigerator. Look at the little nasty stuff left in the refrigerator. This, this milk, this, this milk, milk is this milk month old. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Okay, so what kind of relationship are you building when you do all of that? All right, I'm just, I'm right. just, I'm just asking questions. You, 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 I'm just I asking questions, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, I thought I was doing you a favor by giving you a, anyway. Uh, thank and you. You ain't even paid me rent yet. My, yeah, exactly. We hadn't even made it to the first <laughs> month for you to pay me rent yet. Uh, thank you to those who share my vision and believe that greatness can be achieved with the right environment and surroundings. Although we couldn't make things work at BCU, the goal and mission are still the same. We serve to lead, lead to serve. We uh, we will continue with our pillars, respect. Oh, wait a second. The Ed Reed Foundation vision, you know what the first pillar is, Drew? Respect. Hmm. Educate, empower, and dream. Hmm. Seemed like there wasn't much respect that was being given to the institution that had been around for hundred well before Ed Reed was born, thought of, brought on the planet, succeed success at Miami, went to be a Hall of Fame. Bethune Cookman was around way before Ed Reed. It's gonna be around way longer than Ed Reed, hopefully, Lord willing. So respect though. One of the pillars, one of the pillars, huh? Okay. Uh, so Drew, a, a, you, you, you saw that, your, your initial reaction as you read that, your thoughts go where as you're reading that and hear that? There's a publicist somewhere who did a damn good job of spinning that. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Somewhere, yeah. I mean, who, whoever, whoever had release, they 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 did a very good job of spinning that, and for us giving his perspective, I really honestly do believe he wanted to come in 
and do good things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do too. I do too. But the approach was totally off. And, and, and Brian, as as a Fabu Rattler, I should be loving this chaos right now. I really should with it being our rivalry, but I can't. I, I, I no, can't, I can't either. I, I, I can't. I can't. I can't do. It. I can't do it because it, it, when it's all said and done, you know. Yeah, me and my me and my brother may not get along, but doggone it, that's my brother. You mm-hmm. can't disrespect my brother. I can, I can slap him upside his head all day, but you touch him, we gonna have some problems. And that and that's what that felt like with with Bethune in in that situation. So uh, and I, I, mean, um, I do I, have I think, other feelings, but I'll, I, 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 I'll hold it for a little bit later on in the conversation. Yeah, I know coming up uh, later on in the show, we're going to bring on uh, our good friend, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, get his his thoughts on this. Uh, I'm fascinated from a, from a consultant standpoint of somebody who might be in a position. I, and I'm not saying that Doc was involved in consulting Bethune, but let's just say what he does in consulting might be around, centered around something like this. Um, You know, the the university has problems. Okay? Um, That part is Can I say something about that, Brian? And can I say something while you talk about the university has problems? All right. Please, folks, stop this these innuendos that there's financial mismanagement of money and people are stealing money at Bethune Cookman. That is not the case. They they have they may have made some poor decisions with the money that they have gotten, but nobody has been stealing money from Bethune Cookman. So I, I I'm tired of seeing that part of it, he he exposed it for stealing money. No, just, just like with anything, you if people make bad decisions. Brian, if I was to give you ten thousand dollars right now, you may blow it in two days. <laughs> Why? Because you made you made a bad decision with the money. Did you steal it though? No, you may have mismanaged it and, and did some stupid stuff with it, but you didn't do anything illegal with it. So I really want people to please throw that narrative out out of this whole conversation. Bad bad decisions with money, possibly. Uh, stealing money, please leave that one alone. I don't even want to see that in the chat. Please. Yeah, and I and I again when I say the issues, I, I wasn't referring to anything like that. Uh, oh, but I wanted I, I, I wanted I, to make sure I got that out. <laughs> And it's funny you yeah, say that because um, I tried to listen to go back and listen to the uh, Twitter space that Hale Wildcats did, and and I was petitioning trying to get a um, um, a couple of people, uh, Brad Gillins, who we've had on the ONG Strike Zone, who covers Bethune. Um, I was trying to you know see if I could get somebody who who's got a a deeper knowledge and understanding of things at Bethune who might even be heavily covering this to come in and talk with us. So that might be uh, a next week kind of thing, um, given the proximity of how close things happen. 
Um, but I, I am fascinated to get more and shine a light. See, we're we, the, the biggest thing people have to understand, Bethune-Cookman is a private institution, whereas Florida A&M is a state-funded university. Everything that comes into Bethune is uh, either tuition or donations, okay? That's part of being a private institution. And so and, I and don't a few know. Grants here and there. Right, a few grants there, and I I know the state of Florida even granted them some funds, uh, but but you know there there are issues that led to the uh, the the effects of what we saw go through the athletic department, where you've had um, the football program. Uh, lose or not have the full complement of resources. Just the fact that you've gone through the hurricanes that the school went through creates challenges. And so a lot of things have to be in place in order uh, to be able to manage that. And that's a that's a tall task for any school. Um, I, 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 and that's what's disappointing about the Ed Reed way of trying to come in and and talk down upon what was there you know i think there's a way to do things you know uh he wanted to he wanted to he saw coach prime and what dion did as a model uh but i don't think i don't think ed reed appreciated the differences in Bethune and Jackson State, uh, I don't think I, I I don't think there are enough uh, there there's not enough background for Ed Reed to tactfully spin and market things the way Deion Sanders did, and that's one thing people got to understand. Deion Sanders is a tactful marketer there is nothing that he didn't do or say that didn't have a purpose behind it so with that said what do you think ed reed's purpose was when he got on instagram and went off frustration. Uh, i read huh frustration Frustration, right? And I, I wish I could find this article. I know Kelvin's online. I saw him in the chat room. He sent me a great article uh, that talked about uh, Ed Reed, and why. I'm, I'm, maybe I can find it coming out of the, the when we, whenever we do take a break and go into Doctor Gaville. But I, I don't know if I'm paraphrasing it right by talking about the ego. I, here's what I've said about athletes. Hall of Fame athletes with a lot of money. And I said this about Coach Prime. They are guys who want to get things done on their clock. And when you roll in certain circles, when you have certain kind of money and resources, that's easy to do for yourself because you're you. So when Dion wants things done, for example, he got it done. Right? But also notice, Dion... He didn't. He worked with his athletic director, Ashley Robinson, right? And Ashley Robinson worked with him. There was a there was a symbiotic relationship there 
I believe, from what I've seen and, and have heard, that allowed for a lot of things to happen. And maybe everything didn't hard. happen on Dion's timeline. Uh, you, I was going to say it's kind of hard to work with your athletic director when the athletic director spent half his time on the road coaching the basketball team. Okay, now see, here we get into it. Here we get into it. Now see, now if you want to call this your frustration and the fact that in Ed Reed's second post and he got up there and, and he, he you know, calls out Reggie Theus, uh, you know, I think he, he threw his name out there. Uh, that that was a source when he did that. That tells me that those two were never on the same page. That tells me, Drew, that I don't know if Ed Reed was Reggie Theus's choice. You know what I'm saying? Because if we work, if if you were my guy, and you were the guy I went out there after, and whoever else that that. Uh, um, Reggie Theus has to go before to get the approval of Ed Reed to be the next coach, then that kind of thing doesn't happen. You don't get you don't you don't get to throw my name out there under the bus after day 25 because things haven't gone exactly as I promised. If we have a tight relationship, you know what I'm saying, Drew? That's a big deal. I don't think that happens. I don't think that happens. So that tells me one that the Theus. Ed Reed relationship doesn't seem like it was it was great from the jump, you know. Um, you know, I, I I think there are instances here where um, you you what I want to go with here, Drew, because I there's so many different things here. Let let's 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 ask the, let's ask the question. Ask the question, Drew. With I'm I'm everything that's going on, everything that's going on, okay. Why did Bethune have Ed Reed in the position that he's in? If they hadn't signed the deal, the fact. Please expand on that because I want to see where you go before I go where I want to go. If they they haven't signed the deal, they haven't wrapped me. You knew after that thing happened last Saturday that things were going to go bad. I firmly believe that. Now, I also think what played a factor in this, Drew, and watch me here. It was Thursday, I think, when Edron James came on campus. Did you see that? Was it Thursday? I mean, I remember coming on campus. Wednesday or Thursday. Wednesday or Thursday. Okay. Hall of Famer Edron James came on campus. Um, and I know there were some Instagram posts, you know, some things that went out there. And I'd be willing to bet – that was the moment that somebody said, okay, we need to put it into this real quick. Either we announce the man as the coach or we pull back and we put some tough restrictions on Ed Reed to say, hey, Ed Reed, you can only do X, Y, and Z 
It has to go that's through us. That's why the contract do it. That's why the contract goes down. I, I'm I'm guessing. Now we that's just our our speculation. But when you do what you did, when I have a firm again, my organization, my organization which has been around hundreds of years. No, nope, excuse me, thousands. Nope, hundreds. Yeah, hundreds of years. Sorry, too many zeros. Hundreds of years before you, you know, I got to protect my institution, right? And so let's 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 craft how we want to do this. And so now, when Ed Reed and you go back and forth of Ed Reed getting up there and saying. I didn't resign. I didn't resign. No, they didn't. You didn't resign. You you can't you resign asking. for a position you never had. <laughs> he had it in principle. But you didn't he have had it. it in principle. Well, you can't I, resign from a position you never had. So he he did not he lie. He didn't lie. Well, look, I I uh I I do want to I I want to point out um um, uh, I wanted to read Bethune's statement because I think Bethune's statement came out probably 10 to 12 hours after. Um, actually, no, no. It came out 6.54 p.m. by Bethune. Their official statement. <clears throat> okay. Official statement by Bethune. Bethune-Cookman University has announced that it has decided not to proceed with contract negotiations with Ed Reed to become the next head football coach at BCU. After undergoing a detailed assessment and review of the state of our football program, we have determined that it is in the best interest of our university, athletics program, and the football student-athletes to reopen the search and identify the next leader of Bethune-Cookman Wildcats football. While we appreciate the initial interest in our football program displayed by Mr. Reed during the course of recent weeks, this is the part that I love right here, Drew. We are also mindful of the qualities and attributes that must be exhibited by our institutional personnel during what have been uniquely challenging times for our campus as we recover from the impact of two hurricanes during the past fall semester. BCU was founded with core guiding principles centered around integrity, accountability, and respect for others. Remember, that was one of those first pillars of Ed Reed's foundation, right? Respect. Right. Mm-hmm. These guiding principles have and will continue to weigh heavily on all decisions made that impact our university. Uh, blah, blah, blah. We remain steadfast and committed to building a championship caliber football program. Blah, blah, blah. Our university community has placed the utmost trust and faith uh, in us to continue to advance our institution. And we continue to strive to live up to the high standards that have been set for all individuals affiliated with our illustrious university. That's from Bethune-Cookman, not from the athletic director. That's from Bethune-Cookman. 
athletic director can't send out uh, a statement when he co- when he loses in a basketball game. You know, this is I you know I I firmly believe the whole uh, Reggie Theus athletic director thing was was possibly to to help increase his pay. Increase his pay. Fundra- That's what that was. His pay, his pay, maybe fundraise a little bit. I don't know. I mean, he is now a is it isn't uh, what was that? Isn't Theus a Hall of Famer now? What, he was. He just, he's he's a finalist. He's a finalist. A finalist. Okay, so there's an opportunity here where you're about to potentially be don't don't sleep. I, I somebody must find that really attractive to have a future NBA Hall or Basketball Hall of Famer as your athletic director, I I guess. You know, um, what do you make before? I know we're going to have Dr. Ville coming up here in the second hour. Protests. Students are planning to protest. Student athletes. I love a good protest. Uh, it's scheduled for noon. Uh, I, I don't really know what they're protesting. I mean, are they, un- are they protesting the way that this hand- was handled? Are they protesting... That they want Ed Reed, uh, I, I I don't know what to make of the student protest. Uh, news story see, at five, I guess tomorrow. I guess news story at news five, story five tomorrow. Five. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I see. Who was that? HBCU talk and said uh, dropped a rumor there and said that uh, that there was a report that Ed Reed was asked to leave. I don't know if it was this past Monday. Um, he was not under contract. Uh, we've already kind of established that. I'm just kind of going through some of your guys' <laughs> thoughts and comments there. Um, can, can I put out my point that we talked about last night, Brian? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Before we get into this break. And this actually originally started uh, with the conversation that I had with another uh, friend of the program. I'm, I don't want to call his name out. Uh, you know, but I got a text from him last night, and he he asked me if Ed Reed was never under contract. How how could he technically recruit those kids and have those kids come to campus to sign with Bethune and those players who already signed with Bethune if he was never under contract? Can he even offer a scholarship? If he's not in the employ of Bethune Cookman, and, and, and I sat there and I thought about that question, and then I texted him back. This could this is an HR nightmare. Here's why: Ed Reed's riding around on a golf cart. Ed Reed's out there picking up trash. Why was his office not clean? Hmm. Maybe because he shouldn't have never been on campus. Mm. Want to throw mm. that out there? Because if you're not an okay. employee, you could come. We can have meetings while we ratify everything, but you should not be doing any work for our institution or for our business because the, the university is a business. Because anything that you do, we could be held liable for it. Or you could sue us. If Ed Reed goes out there and strains his back or throws his back out or trips over something that breaks his leg, you can't get workers' comp because he's not an employee. His only recourse 
at that point would be to use that liability policy and sue them. Or Ed Reed riding around on that golf cart and he, he damages some prop, uh, property or a person on the, on the uh, golf cart, then who gets sued? His own mm-hmm. Bethune's golf cart. So it, Bethune, because Ed Reed should have never been driving because he's not a, an employee of the university. These are HR and legal issues that once again, Brian, someone should have been the adult in the room to say, we want him here. We know he can help us, but we got to do this the right way to cover our, you know what, and to make sure his, you know what, is covered. We've got Dr. Kavir uh, here waiting in the uh, room, Brian. Let everybody uh, marinate on that while we uh, go to this break on the other side. Will do. Uh, I, I love the fact that, as I told you, you, you were the you're the only person uh, who who thought. I mean, that was a next level thought and commentary. But I but I told you, only way you thought of that is having been in that kind of situation. Having been uh, having been that level of management and having having having, right, to having been in that level those, of management, yes, and, and having and having to think through things from a liability. Make decisions based upon liability. So being that liability worst case, so somebody yes. in that room should have been that should have been part of the conversation. That you gotta, have, you know what? They and and nothing personal a, is business. No, exactly. It, it's it's a thinking worst case scenario. It's a it's 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 having somebody who thinks about the worst case scenarios that can happen. Mm-hmm. It's unpleasant to be that person, but that's why you hire that person to help that's you out. Right, that, that's why you hired that dude. Right. Now, I, I, you know, that, that dude. dude, yeah, that dude may have been around uh, on the campus of Bethune-Cookman, and he may have told some people this, and they chose not to listen. So, uh, interesting. Coming up on the other side, we'll talk more about the Ed Reed saga between the relationship, as I saw somebody tweet out, and I can't, I can't remember who it is said, but the, uh, the Ed Reed and Bethune Cookman relationship didn't even make the didn't even pass the dating stage. So uh, that's uh, we'll talk to Dr. Cavill more about that on the other side. <laughs> You're watching the BCSN Sports Wrap. We'll be back in two. This is the dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Cavill of Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube, Spreaker, or the BCSN app. As we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the sporting HBCU dashboard, as well as the upcoming week of HBCU sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Watson and Charles Bishop. Dismiss. Mobile banking from Truist actually works for you. It gives you simple, smart, personalized insights to keep you one step ahead. 
because we think that's the kind of control you deserve over your money. When you start with care, you get a different kind of bank. Truist. Download the mobile app now. At Tyson, we know taste is local. Some like their beef pit smoked, their chicken spiced all the way up, or their pork sweet and saucy. Local flavors, global impact. That's what feeding the world is all about. It's like a loot machine. the show where we take you inside the game before the game begins. It's it's the pregame. With your host, Charles Bishop and Neely. So get ready because we pregame harder than the other show's party. It's the pregame. Your ad could be ran here. MyJBN.com backslash support. MyJBN.com backslash support for more information. Time to call a credit repair company to fix my credit. Hold the phone, man. You can do it yourself with Credit Versio. That's way too hard. Call the credit repair company. Most credit repair companies only work on one or two accounts at a time, making it slow and expensive. You won't figure that out for months. <laughs> Ignore him. Credit Versio's brilliant software scans all three credit bureaus, finds the accounts that are hurting your score, and guides you through the entire process. Anyone can do it. Let's fast forward and see the results. <laughs> wow, I fixed my own credit and saved hundreds. You can do this. Visit creditversio.com. At CDW, we get speed as the new currency of success. Our team spends way too much time tending to outdated applications and software when they should be focused on driving application agility and innovation. CDW Amplify Development Services modernizes software and application development to help accelerate innovation and digital transformation. So you mean building new applications, UI, and mobile interfaces? Well, you said you needed to innovate more quickly. Oh, so he's a listener. To do more at scale, trust CDW Amplify Development Services. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter. Are you hungry for authentic Caribbean food? Like jerk, chicken, oxtail, red snapper, shrimp, tofu, and rasta pasta? Well, find your way over to Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock. In downtown Atlanta. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant. Open daily from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. And on Friday and Saturday, we're open till 4 a.m. Come to Mango's and put some spice in your life. So we've got a good 
Mangos Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock. In downtown Atlanta. For more info or directions, call 404-698-3992. Or log on to mangoscaribbeanrestaurant.com. For instant coupons, text M-A-N-G-O-S to 313131. Mangos Caribbean Restaurant. Authentic Caribbean cuisine. From novice All right, welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian AD and joining us, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill of Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab. Doc, how you doing this evening? I'm doing well. Doing well. I had a good break uh, for a day. Uh, Friday night was good. Pizza night every two weeks with Deuce. So he was happy. So it was a good weekend. Hey, there you go. Good weekend. Uh, What's the pizza of choice, Dr. Cavill? Um, uh, they tend, we tend to do, um, pepperoni. Okay. Okay. I won't, I won't I name the chain since they hadn't, they hadn't given us a sponsorship yet. See, I, I need to I do knew, sausage on Hawaii. <laughs> I, I like that. I knew Doc was going to say that. I, I wasn't even going to put it out there because I knew Doc was going to I didn't say what kind. I just said the pizza... I meant the type of pizza. Sausage, pepperoni. Yeah, no, you said it right. You said it right. Meat lovers, you know. Pepperoni. It's usually like a double pepperoni. Uh, he likes plenty of pepperoni, so he's double pepperoni. Um, my gotcha. wife tends to eat just the cheese, so we keep it simple. We get a salad um, and uh, make it do what it do. There you, there you go. go. There you go. Uh, okay, so the, the story of, you know, I thought Saturday, Doc, was going to be a nice night to – uh, good afternoon to just kind of sit back and catch up on some 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 swack and meak basketball and and then the, the Ed Reed story just kind of dropped in our laps and I mean it had everything um, and and from so many different angles and once again it, it turns up many of the emotions which we <laughs> H, HBCU Nation is still not over uh the coach prime era so stories like the ed reed story just continues to sort of whip up the uh the spirits uh of of everyone so before we get into specific questions your general thoughts as you watched it play out as you saw the press release and then the commentary, comments, articles, and then maybe finally the conclusion with the Bethune-Cookman release around 7 o'clock that evening. Yeah, first I'll take you, like most people, in terms of a fan, I was just like, oh, no. Um, and I was just like, oh, this is not going to be good. <laughs> uh, as a consultant, as I do a lot of times, you know, I went into strategy. I was like, all right, you know, um, this is not this is not going to be good for any either side, and we need to mitigate this and and do a risk assessment as soon as possible. So I went in to saying, all right, these are the type of things we need to do immediately. 
Um, and, and so I think there's a couple of different stages here. Um, I know Drew mentioned stage one, which was the initial hire. Uh, or let me let me rephrase. Offer the agreement in principle because it. I guess I guess it's not a hire until you officially sign on the dotted line. So we'll just say the initial agreement in principle with Ed Reed, uh, which then you led, which then led to, okay, which we found out through his first uh, social media social media rant a. 1A, social media, rant 1B, okay, those two kind of things led us to, or gave us knowledge that he had been on campus working. So we have that period from initial agreement to Ed Reed working on campus. You have that segment there, and Drew brought up some great points, some, some HR liabilities. I know a lot of us were still trying to wonder well, when is the press release? How come there hasn't been? Because Ed Reed was hired after the head coaches of Mississippi Valley State and North Carolina A&T. He was hired before they were <laughs> announced. And their press conferences happened still before Ed Reed's initial press conference. So let's start at point A, which we learned about through the social media rants doc, and then we'll come on the side of the, the social media rants afterwards. If you are consulting uh, with the uni yeah, if you're consulting with the university, what are you advising them of, uh, or maybe how are you telling them to proceed if they're coming to you and say, Doc, we have this Hall of Famer coming. Uh, how should we handle this? We're not sure if we want to be in the same space and go down the same road that Jackson State went down, uh, but we do know we need uh, the, the help and the exposure? Great question. And let me level set this a little bit. The first thing is, and I see that you don't want to say it, but you say it because you're just so used to it. One of the things that uh, needs to be clear, and this is just a journalist in me, is that he was not hired, right? At least I, I from the business right. perspective, right? Now, the mm -hmm. lawyers, mm -hmm. Ed, if he wants to go this route, um, he might try to say, yes, I was hired even though he clearly has said in those tapes that he was not hired, right? Mm -hmm. So there, there is a framework that we need to consider because there's going to be one that's in terms of HR, human relations department at Bethune-Cookman about how they define somebody hiring. You probably have heard the terms about onboarding somebody, right? Which is usually part of the hiring process. How, how, does Bethune-Cookman determine their hiring practice in terms of onboarding somebody? What does that look like? Um, at places at Texas Southern, there used to be a process in terms of onboarding somebody that they had to go through, sign, go to HR, then they go meet the principal folks that they'll be working with, constituents and things of the nature, who they work under. They need to get signatures from all these different levels, which could include signatures from their direct supervisor, that they got a key to office. It could be a signature document that they uh, got to pass to be able to drive on campus. It could be signature for emails. You can get an email. These are things, if you're in the court, that they're going to look for to try to determine whether somebody who's arguing that they were hired uh, could prove that they were technically hired. Right? 
So those things that we probably just gloss over that are real in terms of folks that are in mid-management, certainly executive management, in regards to indication of how the court may decide somebody's hired. Now, traditionally for a university, which is different than folks that work uh, in a corporate sector or in a business environment where essentially your direct supervisor working with HRs can pretty much onboard you and pretty much have you sign paperwork, tell you, hey, your start date is here, you'll get your first paycheck at this time. At a university, right, the only individuals that can hire a fire in a, ver in, in a university, particularly the university that has a, a board that they answer to, is the board. Let me say that again. At most universities uh, that have a board, uh, even if that board is not directly over them, the only individuals that can hire a fire is a board. President can't. Athletic director, what we now call in many cases, vice president of intercollegiate athletics, a provost for the academic faculty. They cannot hire. They can make what you call recommendations. At every level, there's somebody that you make a recommendation to that this is the person that we want. I recommend that we move forward with the hiring process and hire this person. I recommend that we terminate this person, which obviously lay language is fire somebody, right? So those are the things that you look for in terms of organization outside. But to get back to your original question, and I think Drew may have a follow-up question, you asked in regards to a consulting perspective, uh, how would you work with this? If I was working with the university, and it's extremely important that we look at the layers of this at the university, right? Because each of those folks I would consult with differently at the university. Let's start with the athletic director, right? Who, um, whenever they got wind of this, they need to go in a strategy mode themselves. Um, in most cases, they would directly uh, call because usually in these cases, they would have a contact. They would have a cell phone number or something like that. Um, they would, even if they don't have an office number, depending on where you're talking about whether the person has an office or not, they would have a cell number and they would call an individual with the cell number and say, hey, um, this is unbecoming of a university. Uh, I need you to get out in front of this and uh, state an apology, right? And that's a record. Mm -hmm. They have email. Um, if you think it's egregious and depending on the tone of the conversation, if the person is looking as if they may not do it or question, then you probably want to put it in an email as well, if they have an email. So you now you have a record, accountability. <laughs> uh, paper trail. That you, do the, you got a paper trail, right? And so those are some things. If you're the AD, you also want to uh, contact the president or chancellor, depending on what type of institution is, the higher person, highest person uh, over the university, uh, under the board. You would want to call that because it's probably the person you, or at least the person that you, um, that you report directly to. Because in some cases, the VP may uh, report to a CFO not the president. Lately, most of our ADs, VPs, they report part of the cabinet and they report to the president, but there are still some cases where an athletic director will not report directly to the president. In that case, they need to report directly to whoever they report to. CFO, maybe a VP of uh, advancement, student affairs, something of that nature, and they need to provide an update. Hey, um, I called 
provided a type one level. I just did a call, I did a warning or whatever, and I asked this individual to um, send out a retort, essentially a apology in regards to the comments, which to some degree, either the university got to Ed Reed or somebody consulting with Ed Reed got to Ed Reed, or maybe he did it himself, but by the end of the night, he had pretty much had sent out uh, apology uh, which was appropriate in this case for damage control, if nothing else, <laughs> in regards to doing that. Which gives me to the point, if I was consulting Ed Reed, I would do that exactly. Ed Reed, uh, this is not a good look. You need to get ahead of this. Um, I know how you might feel, frustrated, whatever, uh, but we need to make sure that we do this. You haven't signed a contract um, based on what we seem to know. Even if we had, I probably would tell him, Hey man, we this is not what we want to do. I know you're frustrated. I feel the same thing, but this is not the best way that you want to handle this in terms of what's out there in the atmosphere, right? Um, these are the issues. So that's kind of how I would consult with with the president. Um, and this is kind of based on what type of presence you have, Chancellor. Uh, you would be consulting with them, and you say, "Hey, this is an image problem for the university. We need to get out of there. We need to get some good press out there. We need to get to our." Communication team, communication team needs to be working with the athletic director, the coach, and we need to frame these different things and we need to get ahead of this as quickly as possible and immediately to get this out there and say something like that. That, that would be my approach. There's some, I do want to say there's an option where some people would say, let it be quiet and let's see if it dies away. From most of the research <laughs> that I've done, most of the training I had, it's always best to get in front of. But I do want to say that th that is not the only way you um, if I had the privilege and somehow I was um, consulting with the board, there are boards that do consulting work. I haven't had a chance to consult with the entire board. I've had some board members that I've not at Texas Southern University, but other places where I've had a chance to talk with directly about their concerns, uh, usually regarding athletics. Some of them has been in terms of curriculum development type things that I've got to talk with privilege. I won't discuss any names because it's privilege, but in terms of that, part of it, um, there is a case where I've been talking about it. And it'd be similar to a president type of thing, uh, that this is an uh, image that's unbecoming. It's going to put the university in negative light, and we need to get in front of it as quickly as possible. Uh, we need to protect ourselves. Um, in some cases, I would have a consideration we need to consider uh, if this happens again, what is our framework of how we're going to move forward? Uh, how long are we going to deal with this in regards to before we have to take drastic measures? Um, if there's a board meeting upcoming, obviously this would be on front, the top of the board meeting in regards to how board meetings do. And sometimes we got to be careful because we'll talk about like the NCA or boards, we'll talk about it as if it's one entity. We forget that the board or the NCA is made up of multi uh, people, multiple people, I should say. Right, and the NCA is multi-level. I want to say, but in terms of board, it's more to people. So it could be simply as them deciding not to move forward with negotiation. But one people would think it's the board, but it could be seven people on the board, and it could come down to a vote. It could be four three, and they'll do this in the back room, closed doors. They'll come back and say they're all on the same page. Uh, good practice of board, but it could it could be very narrow in the back. I mean, this could not be a decision where everybody's on the same page in the back, closed doors, and it can get. Uh, very debatable back there. Some some people would be <laughs> call it, you know, hot in regards to that. Now they're professional, so they, you know, when I say hot, I'm not talking about in the backyard type hot. 
But yes, it could be passionate. I guess probably be a better word to use about the dialogue about you know why we should keep moving forward. We can get through this process. Uh, we can put a statement out there to say that he's going to go through this training, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, management, right? Sensitivity training. Sensitivity training, exactly. Something of that nature. Uh, or you could have the drag measure and people like, hey, this is not good luck. We need to get 100. We need to stop this right now. Let's stop the negotiation. Let's move forward. We already have some concern. Uh, the other thing is, quietly, we, we don't know what else may have happened that, they, mm-hmm. that didn't go public, good or bad, mm-hmm. right? Which would mitigate right. each of those levels how they felt about things based on, you know, the week. Like you said, he could have been on campus. He wasn't asked to come to campus. Uh, people could have some concerns about that in terms of human resources. Uh, could be talking about, hey, this is our general counsel, the legal entity of the university. Could be like, hey, this is this is a serious concern we have in terms of uh, how we're going to deal with this one. He hasn't gone through the onboarding process in this case. Yeah, may have a athletic director VP and saying, hey, we need athletics is a little different. We need to speed through this process. Uh, we need to allow him to bring uh, students to campus and go through the process. We are planning to hire this person, uh, which means we need to proceed. No big deal. And so we'll get up, we'll get it, have him do apology. And if people throughout the organization feel that way, you can get past this. But usually in real life, the concerns you have, you'll have people on both sides. And that's where it gets challenging. You have folks, and somehow you have to have a leader that gets everybody, uh, and whether it's diplomatically done in terms of demo- uh, democratic process where there's votes and whoever wins the votes, you have it there, uh, and you can put it in that process. So those are multi-levels of how challenges is uh, that sometimes we forget and think it's extremely simple when it's really not. The last thing that I saw scrolled across there, I will talk about this real quick before um, I know Drew had questions. I apologize for being so winded, but I really wanted to provide some details. And I'm glad that you all gave me this platform to do this because we don't often have this part. I think somebody asked about should the commissioner, the SWAC office, get involved? Um, no, this is not a SWAC. Obviously, the other institutions will have some concern and probably talk about it and, and stuff like that. But this is at the institutional level, and the institution must take care of it. Now, if you are a commissioner with good standing and you have the rapport relationship, you certainly would call out to the athletic director, uh, the president, chancellor, uh, whichever one the university has at the top level. And if you have somebody on the board, which is not rarely happens, usually the interaction with the commissioner is going to be the president, chancellor, or the uh, AD. VP of athletics, senior women administrator, and some coaches. So it's another reason that you have to be careful with this. Um, traditionally, uh, other than maybe some cordialities, a commissioner doesn't have a relation with folks on the board. It's a separate entity that's only there for governance structure. So one, it would be almost out of the bounds for a commissioner to talk with. Right now, if they mm-hmm. call him in, obviously he would give his best expertise, almost like a consultant. Uh, um, in that manner, but for him to jump into it or her, uh, commissioner of any organization, that is pretty much out of bounds and not something you want to see uh, just because that's not a direct line. Remember, the commissioner of a conference reports to the presidents and chancellors, not the board, not a coach, not an AD. He reports mm-hmm. and follows 
the framework of the presidents and chancellors. And if you know anything about presidents and chancellors at universities, not just HBCUs, uh, they are executive level people with high level of esteem and academic uh, thought process, executive level, and um, you don't just tell them what to do. Good yeah. point. Uh, a couple of things. Uh, it was interesting that you brought up the onboarding and the hiring process because uh, I know the system that you talk about is similar in public schools. Uh, if you go to work for a school district, no matter what the principal or whatever, ultimately your contract has to get ratified by the by the school board. Because uh, I've, right. I've had to go through that twice at the two school districts that I've worked in. But when I was at a private school, you know, it was just directly with the, you know, the the, the principal of the of the school. He was in charge of school. He makes the hiring. He makes the he made all those decisions. Uh, and so, sometimes in government, you have to go before the, your contract has to be voted on by the council or county commissioner. If when I was a contract, when I was on an employment contract, it had to be approved by the county commission uh, where I was at. But when I was just on a regular, just as an employee, no, that was done by the the city manager, the administrator of that municipality so uh that was inter that was a good point you brought up there but I, you. you made me think about something you're doing with that swag analogy and you know I, I i hate to lump our florida institutions into this together but you know th this year has looked like it's been the challenge of the florida hbcus uh if you go back to it hasn't even been a year since we uh you dealt with the court negotiate issue and the fallout from that. And just like doing that issue where we had the certification issue at the SWAC office reached out and was able to offer some support with uh, personnel that helped them uh, get the students uh, certified. Would that be appropriate or out of bounds if, if asked if the SWAC we help with some PR and some some other things of that nature to help Bethune out of this situation and maybe some other other type of other type of support. Would that be out of bounds? Would that be unusual, or would that be something if asked, or even would it even be approached from Doctor Quan? Say, I know you guys got your issue down there. If you need some help, we we can help. We can send our PR team down there to help you. Blah blah blah. Talk me through that, Doctor Gavir. Well, the the SWAC has a communication office, not really a PR, public relations. Office. Yes, communications are a whole different thing. But to you, to your point, oftentimes the communication team will have some skills that a public relations uh, consulting group or unit would have. And so, yes, if they reached out, certainly we would provide any help that you could. I think you need to be very careful from the commissioner's office reaching out to Bethune Cup and, and, and treading on what is their internal process now it in that case it really depends on the relationship right uh it's a new interim president down there so i'm at this point new institution to the conference right and well, not so much new because they've been there in a while but i'm talking about they had a new uh interim president and i'm not sure no, i'm talking about other than the thune coming into the swag 
No, no, I'm talking about in terms of, remember, they served, they, they knew, but I'm talking about in terms of the president of the university. It's my understanding it's an interim yes. president. And Correct. they yes. haven't been there for so long, right? So the question becomes, uh, generally when a new president comes in, a new chancellor comes in an institution, the SWAC will reach out and say, hey, I'm a commissioner, this is what we do or whatever. But I'm saying, has that taken place? Because a lot of times they'll get on that schedule um charles is a real hands-on type of person and that's not necessarily um what any commissioner would do you know oftentimes it won't just be a phone call because that could be kind of interpersonal he'll schedule to actually come down for a meeting um, to meet with the president in the office and really just get their ideas of how they like to see things done in terms of the communicate right and that's where a lot of this is hashed out when you meet to say you know what is the best way that you would like me to communicate? Is it through email? Is it a phone call? Is it a cell call? You know, uh, what times do you, uh, would you like to receive calls or don't want to receive calls, right? So you get all that kind of particulars. So depending on whether that has taken place gives you more indication of, of how uh, likely it would be for a commissioner, in this case, uh, the SWAC office to reach out. It really, it really is open, it depends. So that's the challenge. So it's, I know some of this is, is a is difficult to listen to because i can't just necessarily give you a yes no answer because it really right. depends on the relationship of people that are taking place um throughout this process um in timing but that's an excellent question in regards to understanding pr i guess one thing that could be added to this is the statement that did come out from bethune cookman athletics it was on the website certainly came out on twitter was um back on December 27th, right after Christmas, Christmas, um, during the week of Kwanzaa, Bethune-Cookman University Athletics has entered an, an agreement in principle with Pro Football Hall of Fame Ed Reed to be its 16th head football coach. Um, and I'm sure that one reason, because it looked like this was going to leak out, so they probably wanted to get ahead of it, which was smart. Um, but I'm sure this was vetted um, through human resources, legal counsel. And so the words here are very intriguing and something mm -hmm. that many people need to pay attention to. Um, because in case something like this did happen, this letter is going to be extremely important. And notice again, it says Bethune-Cookman University Athletics. Mm -hmm. Doesn't say university. So that's a challenge. It could be this is athletics has entered an agreement in principle with pro football hall of famer ed reed to be its 16th head football coach so the athletic has entered into an agreement right and depending on the university they have some bounds and frameworks of what they can agree upon and we exactly versus mm -hmm. saying this is in a contractual arrangement with bethune cookman university approved by the board Two entirely different statements. So those are some things now, that we 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 have to grapple with. Now here's a question, and I'm glad you brought that December 27th press release up. Somebody leaked this. The whole reason this mess got started back in December is because somebody ran their mouth. Well, well, let me let me say this. Let me say this because I, you I go and back they to told that date. Just broke out. 
You bro, you ain't they talking with this broke right? Again, I'm I'm not gonna say who I was near, but I was standing there with people who wrote that release, and I was I actually happened to also be in the building. Former athletic director Lynn Thompson was in the building as well. I, I'm just saying, so I let you know where I was amongst BCU people. And you saw this was, play out in real time. Yes, this was not intended to go out when it did. I, that's all I'm going to say. Right, but, but to your saying, point, as you said, it was being leaked, and it might be not leaked in terms of what you're thinking about when you were there, but remember, it first came out basically Brent Murphy. Yes. So that was a leak. Somehow he had sources that got it, which could have been Bethune-Cookman or it could have been Ed Reed's people, but it got out. And so since they got out, now Bethune-Cookman has to act. Yeah, they they and had to act. This is probably what they did. What you talking about when you were there, right? Is how their response yeah. Yeah, to that originally? Yeah, yeah, because it got. I, I know Hell Hell Wildcats had released it probably. <laughs> that's who when I when I saw it and was hit on my timeline. I'm like, hey, look at this, and I'm like, huh? And then then okay, and then all of a sudden I showed it to somebody, and they were shocked. They were like, oh, okay. Oh uh, well, I just got word we released the statement ten minutes ago. Okay, so that that's how that all kind of played out. It, it was not planned. Um, to say right, which least. is which uh, is the point of all of this and how important it is. But this day and age, it is so difficult to keep things in house. It's because so many eyes, not just people leaking it, but just people make references because they see somebody at the airport. Uh, with a phone call and you don't want to do business over the phone because it's so impersonal on the computer. But once you drive, see somebody talk with somebody, people are already turning and say, Hey, I saw the VP of athletics meeting with such and such and such. They might be talking about, they don't have a coach. So and we got stuff before right. coaches I mean, go. So I had heard, I mean, Dion flight plans. I heard all, yes, exactly. I heard all this before that when it came out, but at that point, I was not acting as a journalist. I was acting as a consultant. So I had to hold on to it. I wasn't saying nothing. True. Uh, so the the viral rant was out on Saturday, um, and I think we've talked about it on our shows uh, you know, personal thoughts about it. Um, I just saw in the commentary, somebody had said that um, Ed Reed was supposed, I don't know how true this is, supposedly was asked to leave campus on Monday. Uh, this would have been the Monday following the rant. Uh, now, granted, we saw the video of Ed Reed with Hall of Famer Edron James midweek. That was Wednesday or Thursday. When they were there, when when uh, those two were there chopping it up and, and, you know, it sounded like Ed Reed was gathering supporters. Uh, there's an article, HBCUsports.com says that, uh, uh, or this comes from Edron James apparently, had said that to uh, Reed that uh, Shaq and other billionaires were ready to invest in Bethune Cookman. Um, and it, it brings me to this thought, Doc, about the conditions that people seem to have and want to support. I think that's the best way I want to put that. 
And again, I've said this for a while now. Be mindful and careful of the people who are doing things for HBCUs and with HBCUs. Yeah, I remember when, Yes. And, and it started with, you know, when that started, that started with, uh, and I, I hate to call her, she, she was the, the former wife of uh, Jeff Bezos, and Scott, I, I hate that McKinsey, I can't. Scott. Scott, thank you. When, when Miss Scott, Scott. Uh, the uh, billionaire philanthropist, decided to put money into those HBCUs, a lot of schools, but mostly HBCUs, right? Yeah, and McKinsey, I think she had yeah. very, McKenzie Scott, thank you. McKenzie Scott, thank you. I got to make sure I remember that because she, she's back, she's bigger and better than just former Mrs. Jeff Bezos. Uh, uh, because right. when you talk about doing for H, she did something for them, gave them money and told them, you go do what you need to do to improve. There was very few like limitations or, or, you know, you got to use money on X, Y, and Z. And it, no, it was like, here's money, use it, improve the infrastructure or scholarships or the funding or whatever you need to do for your universities. And then there were other people who were doing things with universities with, and so Seeing and hearing this article sits and makes me feel some kind of way because here's another example that people are now going to come back and say, oh, BCU, you just lost out on X, Y, and Z dollars because you didn't let Ed Reed do what he wanted to do. No, 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 no. It's not supposed to work that way, is it? If Shaq and other billionaires care so much, why does it take Ed Reed for you to want to give to HBCUs? If you want to change things, donate whether Ed Reed's there or not. So I I don't know. I wanted I wanted to get your 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 take and thought on on this mindset, which now is starting to it is starting to fester. I think it kind of started with with Coach Prime, but now it's really I think about to run rampant because of this this uh, this this celebrity donation this celebrity giving that's happening but again i go back to are you giving are you doing it for are you just trying to do something with hbcus and what you're saying is donations with conditions Uh, yes which is the real world and it happens so we can't ignore it Uh, I i do think it's important that you need to understand who you're entering into a relationship with and as somebody said um shaq may not be literally a billionaire but he is certainly close to it. So um, if he's not, uh, we're not gonna argue over a couple of million dollars here and there. Um, he's significantly rich, has we got money. We got. Right, <laughs> he does have the ability to provide resources to institutions. Uh, I'm not gonna get into the foreign with, I do think if you're inside the organization, you need to consider that. Uh, but on the outside, I don't tell people what to do with their money. They wanna give it, they wanna give it, um, so be it. Um, I do think it is important for organizations to understand that, um, that you need to be prepared when you talk about entering into relationships and you need to have preparation in regards to the conditions that you're going to take. On. That needs to be something that you've already pretty much from a board level have already decided what that looks like. Name and rights for an office, name and rights for a building, for example, or some of the more simple things. Uh, you know, stadium naming rights that we talk about, arena naming rights, 
those are some things that you want to consider uh, of what that looks like. Um, and then you got to be careful in terms of some donations uh, in regards to NCAA rule guidelines of how you can accept certain do uh, donations for athletics. Um, there has to be some part in it. I do think it's interesting that Kevin Rozier uh, talked about officers should be uh, it's somebody's job to clean the office every day. Again, we need to be careful because we make a lot of assumptions uh, with our biases. We don't know what the rotation is for an institution in regards to their cleaning habits, for business for that matter. It may be on a two-day rotation. They don't clean office for two days. And then obviously we're talking about the individual that said his office clean. He could have been talking about the floor wasn't swept. We don't know, we, in our mind, uh, when he's talking about, we don't know what he means literally when he says his office wasn't clean, it was dirty. Uh, it could mean that it, wasn't, it hadn't been groomed in regards to a dust mite. We, we don't know whether he's just talking about his trash. Could have just not got to take the trash out. Or if something, yeah, <laughs> or if something's on the floor. So we don't know what level it is. So some people just allow their biases uh, to get in to the framework of a conversation just because they want to be able to prove some things. And I'm not saying that bro Rosier, because I love his commentaries on the ONG strikes on. He's very thought thoughtful person. But I just wanted to take that opportunity to say that sometimes we'll take a line and run with it based on how we see things and we make assumptions. Um, and one of the things I try to do from my perspective as a consultant or what we do on our show is we don't necessarily want to be in the business of breaking news. We want to be in the business of explaining the process to you of how things take place. So you, we want to inform you on different things. So a lot of that is just what you want to do in regards to your ability to navigate the space and talk and have discussions. Now, some people are in the business of breaking news and they get paid to break news. So they better do it really well. And that's fine. So I'm not saying something wrong with it. I'm just saying that's not the place that I choose to be in and how I choose to operate what we do on our show inside HBCU Sports Lab. Or as I come in on a guest, that's more what I want to be in. And there's times where I will provide, you know, some analytical lens. I will provide opinion. And so I want to make it clear that I'm not saying providing opinion is not something you should do. Uh, but I just want us to be a little mindful at times of how quick we're providing our opinion, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Um. Can Can we move for Drew? Uh, can we move from Ed Reed to another uh another point that I wanted to bring with Doc uh, off uh, outside of Ed Reed? Unless you had something else you wanted to regarding Ed. No, Reed. I was gonna say, can Can we do it on the other side though? We, we can. can. If Doc can, if, if Doc can, yeah. If Doc can hang in there, uh, let's let's uh go. Yeah, I gotta look what Doc say about these. I want to say what Doc see about these uh, BCSN rankings, too. I want to make sure we get those in before he gets out of here. <laughs> yeah, I want to get into that. That's good stuff. All right, there it is. Uh, we, we, we'll come back with Dr. Kenyatta Cavill on the other side of the break. You're watching the BCSN Sports Wrap. We'll be back in two. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
This is the BCSN Pod Zone, your place for the news, views, and conversations about all things related to HBCU athletics. Here are the BCSN Sports Wrap, Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab, Knights of the Roundtable, The Pregame Show, The Carlos Brown Show, The ONG Strike Zone, and more in one place. We are changing the way you consume HBCU sports one broadcast at a time. It's never too early to plant the seed. Welcome back to the uh, BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian A.D. and Dr. Kenyatta Cavill of Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab, which you can hear every Tuesday and Thursday evening right here on the Black College Sports Network, 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central. Um, great conversation, last segment. Um for for those of you regarding the Ed Reed and we give Ed Reed a lot of time, more time than I've probably paid attention to Ed Reed when he was actually playing pro football. So I'm just you know, uh, you know, sadly, I, I will say this in closing about Ed Reed for right now. I I do hope he gets another opportunity somewhere down the line, um, because I, I think the the passion and the intent to want to do something big and huge uh, for others is there. But, you know, we, we all have to, we all learn. We learn through mistakes. And so this will be a learning opportunity for Ed Reed going forward in dealing with uh, educational environments. Put it like that. Uh, Doc, the SWAC, Southwestern Athletic Conference, made a, I think is a bold, but a really exciting decision regarding baseball for 2023, I believe, uh, to move it, to move their baseball tournament to an area that I think will, will draw great numbers for the SWAC baseball tournament. Uh, given that city's passion for baseball and the large alumni bases that sit in the city of Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I got a little chuckle out of the press release because it took a minute uh, as the, as the announcement came out about where the stadium or where the, uh, the, the tournament was going to be held. I, I had to do some research until I read down maybe about the fifth paragraph and realized, oh, they're playing this at the stadium over uh, downtown uh, on Georgia Tech's campus, which, you know, I, I you know, so I, I just I just got a chuckle out of that, given the way the press release and all the information was a worded, a beautifully worded press release. But what are your thoughts on the tournament moving to Atlanta and how significant? I think you were an, you were a strong advocate for that. I, I think if I read some of your tweets, right? Uh, you read absolutely right. 
Um, you know, I've been an advocate of trying to get in the Atlanta market in many different ways. You know, um, my best part of it obviously would be in to merge act, the acquisition of Clark Atlanta University, along with, um, you know, a 14th member of Tennessee State. They're not interested in then obviously you can go in a different direction, maybe with Albany State um, to name two, uh, just to consider that. And shout out to uh, uh, Commissioner Holloman. I know he's like, Kavil, let's, you know, slow down, slow down. <laughs> yes, I, <laughs> I understand you, brother. I'm just talking theoretical, just theoretical. So bear with me uh, with that being said. But yes, the next best thing that I wanted to do in a lot of ways was to um, talk about was to get in with basketball. You know, I was on the path where I wanted to see the football championship game in Houston and the basketball tournament in Atlanta to get in that market. Um, but this will suffice. You know, however you get in the market, you know, outside of the MEX WEC Challenge and the Celebration Bowl, which is a partnership, a great partnership, however you can get into market, I was like, get in the market. So, so baseball just seems like a no-brainer in a lot of ways. Obviously, uh, if you read the release, I have a chance to talk with the commissioner, and he talked about, you know, how excited he was to come in Atlanta and see what it brings to the table. And the fact that uh, the officials of Atlanta really sought the swag, which I think is important because we have a lot of folks out there that are traditionalists. They want to see the baseball tournament in the center, the heart of the swag, as they like to call it, you know, Jack, uh, Mississippi, uh, uh, Louisiana, which essentially would be Baton Rouge, Southern with Jackson, Jackson, Jackson State, in a lot of ways, which, which is some truth to that. And those are programs that have done well for a long period of time. They are centrally located, if that's what you mean by the heart. But at some point, we got to get past the point where we um, just take our business to a place because we want to be there versus making sure the business proposition for us taking our business and our entity to a place that serves us based on the fact that they show us that they want us by dollars and cents, hopefully, for the most part. Maybe some exchanges if you would. Uh, but we have valuable propositions, valuable properties, if you would. And we need to make sure that there's a return on an investment that we have invested. When I say invested, each of the institutions have invested in the program. Um, and so with that being said, I think it's a great idea to be in Atlanta. But let me let me clear all this up for folks that do not necessarily think about this. One thing that is significant about markets like Dallas, Houston, Atlanta, uh, New Orleans, uh, if you would, maybe even Memphis to some degree, um, those are large urban areas, particularly the first three, Dallas, Houston, and Atlanta, large urban markets. Uh, they tend to serve HBCUs significantly with students from those markets. So anytime that you can get your brand, your institution in those markets, it's a good thing because it's a direct pipeline uh, to your institution, which is one of the things that has always challenged me about Tennessee State, not to get too far off into this, but I think it's important contextually to get to the other part of this as Tennessee State talks about being an OVC, and one of the things they bring up oftentimes is the reduction in travel, which is true. You can't argue with that. But where are you traveling? 
you're traveling into these small cities, right? And they're traditionally cities made up of larger European American white populations, which are not cities that are going to provide you uh, students necessarily for your institution in terms of the general demographic, right? And so I'm saying that sometimes your best entity is understanding how sports is a direct front porch to your institution. And the biggest way that you can help an institution is through students, the student enrollment, right? And we tend to forget that. And where you go is to these population centers that's going to drive that enrollment outside of your normal process of the state that you're in in terms of your major markets, right? Nashville and Memphis, Atlanta, right? In that, uh, in Georgia, Birmingham in Alabama, Jackson in Mississippi, New Orleans in Louisiana, Dallas. Houston, San Antonio, Austin, and Texas. These are major markets that are going to allow your institution to grow when you bring your sports into those platforms. So that's another reason, really a bigger reason, why I like the idea of going into the Atlanta market because of the high schools that can feed your institution. And then the last thing, as you said, which is important too, is to continue the relationship with alumni. And our biggest alumni chapters for most of our institutions, particularly in the South, are basically in those three uh, areas, particularly if you look at the SWAC, some of the largest alumni associations outside of that state, if you would, um, if not within that state, tend to be Houston, Dallas, and Atlanta. So if you can get in those markets uh, to drive your product, it's important. Now we're talking about how do you extend the event past baseball and maybe do some things that helps drive that even more? But yes, I like it. I think it's a brilliant move uh, when you look at all the parts that come together to make it happen. So yes, I'm a champion for us finding a way into the Atlanta market. Drew, what's your what's your take on the move to Atlanta? I know we didn't get a chance to talk about it pre-show, so I kind of sprung it on there. But what's your what's your nah. what's your take? And, you know, uh, we waited to this because I believe this was announced. Was this announced Thursday, Doc, right before the show? Or right before I was on one yes. of the shows last week. I yeah, if it was right Tuesday or Thursday. Thursday. And I got into a little bit of my thoughts on uh, Thursdays inside the uh, HBCU Sports Lab. So uh, you can go back and look at those comments. But I, I will add some additional comments that I did not add on Thursday. Atlanta is 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 the hub is a special place when it comes to HBCU, particularly athletics. Atlanta holds a place in my heart when it comes to championship events, because my first basketball tournament championship occurred in Atlanta when the SIAC tournament was held on the campus of Morehouse College, and I wish. I wish Atlanta would be in the rotation more often. Uh, yeah, Morehouse is, Morehouse is not the easiest place logistically to park at when you're trying to host an event of that size. But once you're able to get on campus, beautiful, beautiful uh, gymnasium, definitely large enough to uh, host a 
basketball championship, and I, and I'm spending this over the baseball. So stay with me here. Uh, definitely. Uh, yeah. But the the cultural, the other things that we were able to do while we're in at, in Atlanta, Atlanta has the logistics. If you don't want to stay now, you've got the water system. So you can park your car at the hotel and ride the train to a lot of the different venues that you want to get to in Atlanta where you don't have to Uber and, and some of those things. So it's it, it, it's a mixture, mixture of both. You know, there have been times where I just don't want to deal with Atlanta traffic and I, I just stay where I'm at and keep my car where I'm at and hop on the water and get to where I need to get to. And Atlanta affords you the ability to do that, especially over there at Georgia Tech. Brian, I don't think you were at FAMU yet, but I don't know if you remember. The Atlanta Football Classic used to be played at Bobby Dodd Stadium, which is on the campus of Georgia Tech. So there is a history of HBCUs doing an event on Georgia Tech's campus where FAMU played Tennessee State. And if I my memory serves me correct. I believe the first four were at Bobby Dodd Stadium before they moved to Fulton County Stadium. And then, sidebar, you know the last football game ever played in Fulton County Stadium was FAMU versus Tennessee State the, uh, the year after the Olympics was, was, in 1996. That was, my, that was my freshman year. Yeah. I went to that. I went to that. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, uh, yeah, before they moved over to the Georgia, before they moved into the Georgia Dome. Uh, but so there, there, is, there is that history of that. So this is not the first time Georgia Tech and the city of Atlanta have had that relationship with HBCUs using, using their facilities. So, um, all right, let's get into uh, let's talk let's talk basketball. Let's talk some rankings here as we come out with uh, the fourth edition of the BCSN top five. Uh, we cover the. Division one, Division two, and NAIA levels. Uh, I was just kind of pulling up some. Uh, we're going to start with the women's basketball rankings first, um, and you'll be able to catch uh, Doctor Cavill's rankings. What, what day do you bring your rankings out, Doc? Tuesday or Thursday show? We do the uh, major division on Tuesday and the mid major division on Thursday. So uh, major division men's and women on Tuesday and men's and women's mid-major on Thursday. Okay. All right. So, uh, and for those who may not know, mid-major would consist of division two and NAIA put together Thank into you. one, one group. Okay. Uh, Drew, are we, are we ready to do uh top five? As soon as you're ready to get into it, as soon as you get ready to it, right. I need, to, I need the professor to tell me if I need to go out and buy a new computer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's start in Division One, and our Division One teams. Women's side. Uh, we start women's side. Women's side, of course. Women's side. Uh, we start with a big time matchup that'll actually be happening between the number one and number two teams in our poll on Monday night. Well, if you want to start at the NAIA, we can. I don't know which way we start. No, no, that was that was actually the wrong graphics. That was last week's All graphic, right. so we good. All right, I'll let you work. For the people who are watching, you, you, Drew will catch up. For the people who are listening, 
I'm going to go through the Division I women's top five. We start with Norfolk State. Behold, the green and gold. The Spartans are sitting at 16-3 and overall, 4-0 in conference play. Number one going uh, number two is Morgan State uh, moving up a spot, actually swapping spots with North Carolina A&T State. Uh, they are 12 and 6, 6 and 1 in the CAA. Um, that's uh, the Colonial Athletic Conference and uh, A&T uh, on the women's side. Well, I, I was looking at it here for a second. I, I lost him. Uh, Jackson State uh, still at four, uh, back on the winning side of things after having their 40 game streak against SWAC opponents, including regular season and conference tournament, ended uh, against Preview. And then Alabama A&M is number five. Uh, seven and nine, five and one. They were not ranked last week in the hunt. Southern and Preview in the hunt. And it should be noted that uh, tomorrow, Monday night, big time matchup between Norfolk State and Morgan, uh, that will be played, let's see, I believe that'll be at Morgan. So that's going to be a game at Morgan. The last time these two teams faced off was in the MEAC tournament. Norfolk State won that contest 53-51. to They split home and home during the regular season, so Morgan kind of has to go in feeling a little bit confident. Uh, Norfolk State is on a seven-game win streak right now um doc any any thoughts uh as you look at the top five in women uh you know obviously you don't have to leak any info from your poll just yet but just any personal thoughts you might have no i appreciate that um i think he gets to keep his computer i like what's going on in this poll ranking um this looks good in regards to the teams that are at the top I will mess with you, Brian. You're supposed to read from five to one. Don't ever give out your number one first. But see, honestly, they, you know what? I, I, I had I, to find look, something. You're right. Since the poll teams were okay. I had to find something to be like, all right. I got you. You know, and the only reason I do that is because we used to do the reveal from five to one, but, you know, we, we didn't got – uh, but I, that was I, in I football, basketball. We got so many. Yeah, yeah. We, oh, yeah. we got so much. You got a lot going on. You got a lot going on. There's a lot going on. We just like listen. Even though it's all up there, put it all up there at the same time, but read it from ascending order five, four, three. So I, at least verbally, if somebody's just listening and they're not watching, they still hear. All right. Good. Good point, Doc. I appreciate that. I always appreciate uh, the pro tip. Hashtag pro tip from uh, Dr. <laughs> Dr. Camille. I love that. Uh, just it's so it's no, noted, it's you know. I like the, I like the poll that you have there. I think um, the, the powers that be, uh, you focused on the game tomorrow night between Norfolk State and Morgan State. Uh, they couldn't ask for a better matchup. Basic, we'll get to it, uh, men's and women's for that matter. Uh, and on the men's side, they got a couple of matches. But when you talk about two teams that are undefeated in terms of conference play, uh, Morgan State coming in at 4-0. and um, uh, I mean, excuse me, Morgan State coming in at 3-0. and Norfolk State at the top coming in at 4-0. and uh, Both of them with winning records. Um, this is, man, if I had, we talking about marketing and sports marketing and branding, man, this should be out there. Monday morning, 
they should be flying this everywhere. They should have snuck it out this evening, but they go hard out of the MEAC tomorrow. They just, and the teams, Morgan State, Norfolk State, need to be pumping this out. That This is a you know one-two matchup from BCSN uh, in terms of what they released in their poll. Uh, top two, top two team uh, in Division One major division uh, poll rankings, not just in terms of conference play. Going at it, you need to be in the building to check out these teams. Yeah, five thirty is a tip. Uh, that's a that's a big day at Morgan, um, and, and we'll explain why. Obviously, because uh, it's a doubleheader Monday, and uh, just as big a game will be happening following the women's game for the men. Um, also, take note down there at the bottom of the top five, Jackson State, Alabama A&M, both sitting at five and one in first place, right behind them, Prairie View. And it should be noted that, obviously, Prairie View is the team that knocked off Jackson State, right? Well, Prairie View themselves came out of Saturday uh, on the road at Alabama State, lost in mm -hmm. overtime. 77 to 74. That's a tough loss on the road. But how about Alabama AM catching a home win against Texas Southern in overtime, 72 to 69. And, you know, uh, Doc, I mean, Texas Southern, man, they they got a young lady over there. She's a walking bucket. Uh, I think Miss Gray. Gray is her last name, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but but she she just she's averaging like 26 in conference games or something like that. But anyway, um, Alabama A&M gets yeah, the that's overtime win. Yeah, Mika Gray. Uh, she's averaging on the season 18.4 to be exact, as you talk about three rebounds, assists, and shoots at 38 percent from the field. Uh, field. So yeah, she's doing wonders when you talk about uh, what she's uh, playing for the conference right now. So great points you make. I did want yeah, to back out I, in terms of that matchup uh, and talk about Deja Francis that is putting up 11.5 a game, Kira Wheeler with 8.6, nearly nine rebounds, pulling down those boards. And then Deja not only get, puts in buckets, uh, she'll do it with assists or she shares the basketball. And then you got them on the defensive side where they get uh, good play for Camille Downs uh, that will give you three steals or averaging three steals a game. Uh, blocks is Miss um, Williams with 1.4. So they're tremendous when you look about uh, what they're able to get uh, in terms of Norfolk State. And then you got to take on Morgan State when you talk about that matchup with Charlene Shepard putting in just uh, over 14 points a game, rebound. Uh, Shepard gets it done there nearly at 7, 6.9 to be exact. Uh, Dejan Naya Henson uh, with assists, 2.3 and steals. Uh, Henson is doing it as well with 2.5. So um, it's it's going to be a fascinating uh, game when you talk about Charlene will also get you some blocks. So she does it on both sides. So you talk about some key players that are sitting at the top of the conference between um, uh, these two teams, Morgan State and Norfolk State. Um, and uh, you talked a little bit about the matchup. Also, is Prairie View gets to go to that top five. They will hunt it being a top five program. On Saturday, now on Monday, as we lead into that matchup, now they get the chance to be the hunted. It's on the road, but they take on the newly mentioned number five teams in terms of Alabama and them Bulldogs. Those ladies over there uh, can play some basketball, and they play pretty good. And they in that new arena. They don't like the uh, 
lose over there. So we'll see what gets done when you talk about this new matchup. In prayer, if you go on the road, the old saying says, when you're on the road, can you split one and one? Uh, if you can at least yes. split, you you build your service, you get home, you want your two. But when you're on the road, you want to split. Somehow, if you can get two on the road, you're really uh, coming out sweet. Uh, that's a big day at Alabama A&M. That, that new arena, 6,000, I think, is the seating capacity. That place should be jam-packed. because And it should start early. Uh, 5.30 Central Time because you guys, you said, you got a top matchup there. Interesting, I was just looking at the standings in the SWAC women. Jackson State, Alabama A&M in first place, 5-1. and one. But there are five schools within a half game to one game out of first place. So that's, Great. Great. do the math, 5, 6, 7. I mean, you're talking over half of the conference is sitting at four and two or better. And they're all in the hunt for first place. And so it's going to be fascinating watching the um, watching the SWAT women um, the year after the, the Jackson State dominance. You know what I'm saying? And that's what I find fascinating. The dominance of Jackson State over the last two, three seasons. And now let's see how they, how everyone else had to sort of rise to the next level to be able to compete and they're holding their own. I, well, I mean, you know, Hey, look, don't count the champs dead yet. I'm just saying folks is holding their own. All right, let's go. Yeah. Let's what, go, before, you, uh, before you go to, before you go oh, to sure, the, sure. The division two and uh, division one, this is a stat that I started keeping up with last week, just to talk about the competitiveness of the leagues. I started with the men's, but this week I was able to get the numbers for the women. So I wanted to put this out there. SWAC women's basketball, 13 of the 38 games or 34.2% of the SWAC women's games have been decided by six points, two possessions or less. 19 of the 38 or 50%, half of the game of SWAC women's games have been decided by 9.3 possessions or less. So that gives you some indication of just how competitive uh, these games have been overall as a conference. And five of those 38 games have went to OT. So there's not a lot of room for error in terms of a lot of these matchups uh, in um, the SWAC. But check out the MEAC. They played less games, so we got to take that into consideration. But still, four of the 14 games, or 28.6% of the SWAC women's games, have, I mean, of the MEAC women's games, have been decided by six points, uh, two positions or less, which is lower than the SWAC in terms of that closeness. But if you tick it up or not to what we talked about, the three possessions, nine points, it kicks up eight of 14, which is higher than the swag at 50%. It's 57.1% in the MEAC. So um, those are things that are interesting. I'll let you know if you want your entertainment value in terms of the swag and MEAC, it is there uh, for the women's. And I'll give that later when we get into the men. Uh, Drew, I think Doc doesn't realize what kind of actionable information he just gave us, Drew. Which I'll be going. Uh, which I'll be. <laughs> Drew, if you know, you know. That's all I'm gonna say. Drew, if you know, you know. Doc just got me on the hunt going into Monday. That's all I'm gonna say. If you know, you know. Doc then gave me some information for Monday. Thank you, Doc. I'm even looking back. I'm gonna go back and replay that segment. And uh, when I go back and look through Monday's game action, uh, I'll, I'll just follow me on Twitter. That's all I'm gonna tell you, folks. <laughs> Might be a good day for somebody. Let's go to D2. 
Let's go to D2. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Going down into Division two level. Host of schools that are in the hunt, uh, including Lane. I'm assuming that's 10 and 4 overall, 6 and 3 in conference. Lane, Miles, Winston-Salem State, Bowie, and Elizabeth City State. Those would be your probably 6 through 10 if we did a top 10 poll. Those are all those schools there that are in the hunt because we only do top five. All right, coming in at number five on the women's level, the defending CIAA champs, Fayetteville State Broncos, who were outside of the top five a week ago. They are in at the five spot, 11-6 and six overall, 7-2 and two in conference play. Savannah State drops from three to four, 12-4 uh, overall, 8-3 and three in conference play. Lincoln, PA, the Lions have jumped all the way up from outside of the top five to number three. Uh, currently 13-5, and 8-1 and one in conference play. Uh, our top two teams hold the same from a week ago. Number two, West Virginia State at 15-2 and two overall, 10-2 and two in conference play. They play in the Mountain East. And Drews, Tuskegee, Lady Golden Tigers, it is the Lady Golden Tigers, right, Drew? Unbeaten in no. conference play. It's just Golden technically, Tigers, right? Technically, they're the Tigerettes, but they, they've been Golden oh Tigers God. for the last decade and a half. But technically, they're still listed as the Tigerettes. You know, at some point, and this is and this is the professional broadcaster side of me coming out, we're going to have to rewrite the AP style book on women's nicknames because you've got yes, right. all kinds yep. of things we we have to rewrite that and figure out and all come to a consensus from the tigerettes to the lady tigers to the just being the golden tigers i mean every aren't they a golden tiger why do they have to be the lady golden tiger that, anyway but this is anyway we got to update the style book on that uh but uh, there's your top five just do like Again, Xavier. Little- gold nuggets gold rush well, that's genius, the way that they did that. They they switched it up all the way and just did a whole separate thing there. So Fayetteville State 5, Savannah State 4, Lincoln PA 3, West Virginia 2, West Virginia State 2, and Tuskegee 1. Uh, Doc, any of those teams still hanging around from your your top 10 of last, uh, of last week? I like the move by Lincoln, Pennsylvania. They're hot. They're playing some good basketball. See them jump in the top five, I think, is appropriate. I had them outside that. What I love about the fact that y'all give the love to the NIA and they get their own poll, obviously, and I'm in major, like we do in football. Football, there's not enough teams to really separate for NIA uh, top ten, far less the top five. But in basketball, you can certainly do that. I just keep it as a mid-major just because it's uniform. Uh, but I, I thought it was outstanding when um, you all, particular AD Drew, talked about the fact what was my thoughts on doing it. And he, they, y'all had already, you know, had the onus of that you wanted to do it. So I think it's brilliant in a lot of ways. But um, I like the top five. Uh, I like the movement uh, still early that you have teams that are fighting themselves way to get into the top of the poll, but that's something I always got to remember when I look at this poll. I'm like, where's this team at? That's right. No, it's NIA. You got your own stuff over there. So um, the other thing that I, I think um, we need to make sure that we put out this how these records are, uh, the teams and how deep 
teams with winning records. You could basically have a top 10 list and everybody would have a winning record, which you show with those that are, you know, receiving votes as we would say it, but uh, in the hunt, as you all say it. So I love that about the framework. But to get to the point, don't have a problem with this poll. Keep your computer, Drew. Uh, Doc, you mentioned uh, Lincoln uh, and the streak they've been on. They, they're the winners of eight consecutive games. So they have not lost in this calendar year. There's only one team that has oh. a team, uh, consecutive it was a streak and it was eight, but I didn't realize it was they hadn't lost this calendar year. That's a nice touch. Yeah, yeah, but there's one team out there who has a, a streak slightly longer than theirs. I know. Oh, longer? Yes, right now on the, on the D2 level. On the D2 level. Uh, well, HBCU well, D2. Let me, let me specify. HBCU D2. Women. There's one team that has a longer streak. Oh, Tuskegee? well, that's easy to. Yeah. No, nope, Tuskegee's only at six in a row. Tuskegee's only at six okay. in a row. It's our, it's, our, it's our forgotten HBCU on the, on the D2 level. West Virginia State. They, they're the winners oh, yeah. of nine consecutive oh. women. Nice. Good, All good. Right, okay. Yeah. I see you. I see you, Drew. Right. Yeah. Right, yeah. Keep Drew. that computer right. churning. I like. I like what you're spitting. <laughs> uh, great, great, uh, great observation there, Drew, about the records in Division Two. Um, that's. Uh, I, I'm. I want to do. So I want to do a breakdown of looking at people's non-conference uh, later because that's fascinating when you when you juxtapose it against Division One. Um, which, you know, we know that's a different story, but still, I think it is, it is, uh, interesting to look at. Brian, 11 of our, 11 of the, of the 29 women HBCU programs on January 22nd have double digit wins. Nice. It's over one third have double digit wins. No one is winless. Nice. And, and we, I still say 20 wins is a, is a mark. I think 20 wins is still a, 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 a an actionable mark yeah. that you look at and say, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. That, that's I love that 20. I love that 20 win yeah. mark. Um, it's still significant, particularly at the Division two level, NIA level. You get to 20. Sometimes at them, they get a chance to get to 25. Uh, really looking good, right. uh, but at the Division One level, if you can get to 20 wins, you're really doing something. Sometimes that demarcation may need to be closer to 17, 18, but it's something beautiful about that round number when you can put that 20 win mark on. 2021. So I love that you brought that up. Yeah, I love that you brought yeah. that up. And take it one step further, uh, everybody. 15 of the 29 are at nine wins or better. So over half of our women's programs. Or nine wins or better with five weeks with five weeks remaining in the uh, basketball season. That's good. All right, let's go over to the um, NEIA group. And in the hunt in the NEIA, uh, we've got Arkansas Ooh, I got a typo. Baptist. <laughs> see if you if you if you wouldn't have said it, I you know we're not looking for it now. See, now that you said it, everybody's looking for it here, and I I probably wouldn't have said it. I would, you know what? I wouldn't have even noticed it if you didn't say it, Drew. But you, you know that's you, uh, Arkansas Baptist. 
eight and five overall. Uh, Zula, Xavier, uh, 12 and seven. Stillman, also at 12 and seven. Wiley College at 11 and six. In the top five, all five teams are the same as last week. Just a little bit of shuffling that has gone on. First from Philander Smith, who have over two weeks have dropped. I believe they were formerly number one. Last week, Correct. they dropped the three. This week, they're at number five. Uh, so 10-4 and four overall, 2-2 two and two in conference play. Number four is Langston. Langston holds spot 13-6, and 8-5 in conference play. Uh, Fisk University is who jumped up with the big jump from three to five. They're at 10-6, and 5-2 overall. And the uh, Florida Memorial uh, Lions are coming in at – Two, same as last week, 14 and three. And then Russ College, uh, the Russ Bearcats, 13 and three, unbeaten in the GCAC, holding strong at number one. Uh, so, so uh, uh, Doc, uh, as you see, the uh, after having the combination of the Division Two and the NAIA, um, where, oh, where did you see your where did you see your – how many – let me ask you a better question. Among your top five, how many teams from, let's just say, the NEIA were in your top five previously? Last week's uh, poll, obviously. Think, no. Yeah, we had um, three of the NIA programs in there um, on the men on the women's side and I think two on the men's side. I might be off by one or two. Okay. Um, so that's slightly different. The, the one quorum I would have this – I'd probably have um, Langston up above Fist with the 13 wins. Uh, I, I'd probably have that above the 10. And so it'll be interesting to see what the poll looks like, um, whether they can jump in there with Fist. Will they stay in the top five uh, as they're a top three in this poll? But obviously the Division Two NIA, can they stop uh, getting that top five? A little uh, more challenging when you mix in the D2. But I like what you got here. It's something about a team being undefeated in conference play. So I like the fact that you have uh, them in terms of Rust at number one uh, versus uh, the number two that has more wins, um, although they're not undefeated in terms of conference play. So I like most about this poll. The only thing that I would say is I might, I would probably have um, Langston up above a, a spot instead of being at four, being at three. Uh, but it's not a lot to argue with. Like you said, the computer uh, spitting out some good gumbo this week. Um, so I certainly <laughs> have my spoon in, in the bowl uh, trying to get some more. This is good stuff. Yeah. At least on the uh, women's uh, side. Uh, see what you do on the men. Oh, At least on the women's side, yeah. I like what's going on. No, and, and, Doc, it's interesting that you brought up uh, Langston with more wins than Fisk, but Fisk with the better conference record. The way our formula is set up, it is slightly skewed towards conference play versus the versus the non-conference. So you like get a little bump for conference play, which is one reason Jackson State, on, when you go back to the Division One level, bumped into the polls because they're 5-1 in conference. The overall record is not the best, even though they played a lot of those games close. But because we skew it slightly, it's, it's not it's not big, but it's big enough to 
to help those teams out who take care of business and conference because for us on the HBCU level, that's what this is ultimately about. Can we can we take care of our conference, get a good seed for the conference tournament, and then win the conference tournament? Because we know what when we get on the national level, unfortunately, we don't get the respect that we that we need come tournament time on the national level. So that's why we just slightly skewed it towards conference play. I like it. I like the rationale. I like the fact that you do it. Uh, as you said, I, 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 obviously you chase uh, the national, but I think one thing is it's it's good to understand you celebrating your space and your space is your conference, right? At this point in time. So if you can get it done in the conference, there's something to be said for that that should be celebrated, particularly when we're looking at it from a black college uh, sport network lens. I mean, that's what we cover. That's what we do. So that's where our focus point on. And I, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. It doesn't mean that we can't go above and beyond. We can't discuss the other stuff, but we choose to focus on this area. So I, I, I commend you for doing that. So let's keep that going. All right. Uh, let's transition over to the men's side of our of our top five rankings in Division One, Division Two, and the NAIA. Um, Big time shakeup here. Uh, don't anybody tell, don't anybody tell uh, uh, Carlos Brown this. All right, um, but Southern has dropped all the way out of the top five um, to in the hunt, uh, nine and ten, still uh, five and one, tied for first place in the SWAC. How one lost? <laughs> Hey, hey, look, look, you know, we we just we just let us let get through it, and we'll let the computer uh, explain what happened here. Uh, Howard is eleven and ten, three and one overall, and then Morgan State is ten and nine. This one of these weeks, Doc, where you know there's going to be a lot of messages coming in the inbox, and the computer. The computer is sitting in the back like that meme when the guy's sitting back eating popcorn. That's the yeah, computer's like, I did my work. He got a man in his own on the men's side. I did my work. I'm going to let you guys uh, explain it to people. That Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> thanks. Um, Morgan State also in the hunt, 10-9, 3-1 in conference play. All right. Um, interesting. I, I feel like I almost have to preface this by saying – Within the MEAC, and I think this may be a root cause of some of this, uh, Doc. Within the MEAC, five of the eight teams in the MEAC are all tied in first place with yeah, a three and yeah. one conference player. You know, uh, as yep. that would be say, that would be MEAC ish. There you go. Uh, exactly, <laughs> and we're talking Norfolk State, Maryland Eastern Shore, North Carolina Central. Morgan State and Howard, uh, three of those schools are on three-game win streaks. That's uh, Maryland Eastern Shore, Central, and Howard. And don't forget, it was Howard that knocked off Norfolk State, uh, giving them their only loss of the season. Uh, and Brian, so, notice all yeah. five of those teams are on the screen somewhere. I, ex that's why. That's why I wanted to preface this as I started getting into number five. Number five would be Maryland Eastern Shore, who they were in the hunt a week ago. Uh, they they uh, jumped into the top five, three and one in conference play, ten and one overall. Uh, number four, Alcorn State, 
They are uh, tied for first in the SWAT with Southern, uh, just a couple of points ahead of Southern, according to the the, the rankings. Uh, they have an eight and ten record, five and one in conference play. Grambling State moved up from five to three. Grambling State being the only men's basketball team in the SWAT with a plus five hundred overall record. Uh, they are uh, a game out of first place, but they are eleven and seven overall, four and two. Uh, North Carolina Central holds at the two spot with uh, again, as mentioned, one of the five schools with a three and one record. They are ten and eight. Um, and, and just to just to point this out as well, all five of those teams that we mentioned that are three and one in the MEAC, all of them have a plus five hundred overall record. Should be noted. <clears throat> so uh, that speaks to their wins in the non-conference. And then number one, uh, back again at the one spot, jumping up from three to one, is Norfolk State, the mighty Spartans. Behold, uh, the green and gold, three, 13 and six, uh, three and one overall uh, in conference play. Last week, they were number three. And, uh, you know, we talked about it when we were talking about the women's bracket or the top five, that big time matchup between Norfolk State and Morgan. Well, the uh, Norfolk State Morgan men's game will be on ESPNU Monday night, 730. Uh, another big matchup in the conference is the Maryland Eastern Shore, North Carolina Central. That's a number five versus two matchup and then as i quickly go through and look at the swack for this week uh let me see are there any particular matchups to pay attention to not as it relates to the rankings but grambling is on the road at uapb um allcorn is hosting bethune southern travels to mississippi valley state so uh i'll tell you doc I see doc over there shaking uh, his head uh, the poll must not have liked. Hold on, Doc. The poll must not have liked Southern losing to UAPB by seven on Saturday. That's all I can figure out. Man, they were on the road, and the, uh, Pine Bluff was the hottest team besides Southern going in that game. I guess maybe you could all get all corn. They both won five in a row. But my goodness, there's there's all types of problems in the poll. First of all, you got Morgan State sitting outside of the top five. I mean, they were, oh my goodness, they were just at the top of the pole. I mean, I, I don't know where to go with this. You don't have Southern in the pole. You got Maryland Eastern Shore in the pole. You got Alcorn in the pole. They not ready to be in the pole. I know Alcorn, like I said, won five in a row. Credit to them. They had the Texas two-step trip in here, which was a good road trip. Other than their game against Jackson State at the beginning of the year, who have they played that's in the top half of the conference? Uh, that gives you some indication that that, that those wins are big, that big. Credit to them. They're a good program. They're certainly a good team, and they will win some games. But my goodness, I, I'm not ready for them to be in the top five. Neither is Maryland. Yeah, East Shore. They played the best oh, defense oh. probably anybody out here at Division One in HBCUs, but – they can't score. They're they going to have a problem beating something, especially when they go on the road. At home, yeah, maybe they can get it done on the road. But, yeah, I, I, I'm, i like, at a loss for words. I, I don't understand what is going on here. Other than no folks being at the number one spot, I think I can see that. That makes some sense there. Uh, but, 
Um, Grambling at three, and I Southern think that's a bit high. I think that's a little too high. I probably would have them in the top five, but they're a little high. North Carolina Central at two is too high for me. Uh, I'm not even sure if I exactly. Have I already hear. I'm, I'm already tell you the complaints that are coming from Southern fans. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go ahead and get hey, my pre had, my pre written. Wait till you get the complaints from Howard. Howard Bison think they really doing something. They just blew out Morgan by thirty. You got Howard sitting out there on the outside trying to bring on yeah. out. They might have a chase to be in top five. So yeah, there's a lot going on here. But I will end on this positive note. Uh, I like what you, the matchups that you talked about on Monday night. ESPNU, that Norfolk Morgan State game, that's going to be a good one. Um, five teams have winning records in the MEAC, credit to them, uh, that, that are above 500, obviously. We talk about the MEAC as being all three and one, but they got winning records, so I'm going to let them uh, make it in terms of playing some good basketball with their overall record. And then you got the matchup with uh, four of the five teams going against each other, right? Yeah, that Morgan State – and Norfolk State, and then you got North Carolina Central and Maryland Eastern Shore uh, playing on Monday. Uh, the the Maryland Eastern Shore goes on the road over there to North Carolina Central, so that would be fascinating. And then Morgan State is at home for Norfolk State. And then Norfolk State bounced back last night with a big win. Uh, but, you know, they're still feeling the pain of what happened by Howard last week. Howard dumped Trump yesterday in terms of their matchup. Um, so... The MEAC going down the stretch is going to be fascinating to watch. And in a lot of ways, it starts on Monday with a beautiful television game with no folks in Morgan State. I want to see what this looks like uh, in terms of who's going to come out of this uh, this weekend with a little edge in terms of what that looks like. In terms of the SWAT, uh, in terms of good matchups, it'll be fascinating to see uh, what's going on here. Obviously, you have Pine Bluff that is extremely hot, and they take on a Grambling team. Uh, so I'm interested in this matchup. This is a Grambling team that got a big win. Uh, they had to hold on against Valley. A little bit of robbery there. Uh, Valley is tough at home. They hadn't been able to get a number of wins, but they played a lot of teams pretty tough at home. Uh, not so much on the road, but uh, they get a chance to see if they can do it against Southern. So that's one that you kind of keep your eyes on uh, to see if uh, Southern can bounce back. Obviously, we talked about the slide last year, so this is a game they're going – to say, hey, yeah, you, you can play on the road. As we said, one of the rules in the SWAC over the years is you want to split on the road. So it'll be fascinating to see uh, what happens in that matchup in terms of what's going on. You got that family, Jackson State. Obviously, in football, that's big. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, it won't be in basketball. And you, um, they don't get enough wins, but so, similar to Valley, they play some close games. Um, they just haven't been able to Bam, you can't score. Now. Men or right, women. Which is, that's right. That's, they, that's a major problem uh, with what they want to do. They can stick with you defensively and make it look good, but usually down the stretch, you got to find somebody that can get you a bath in a bucket. Um, and so they're having some problems there. Looking forward to this Prairie View, Alabama A&M. Prairie View is just doing that little dance. They're playing up, down, win, lose. Uh, but they've had some tough games, uh, whether it's on the winning side or losing side. Two overtimes in a row. Both of them ended up in losses. The one last night, uh, first of all, two weeks ago when they lost to Alcorn, uh, that just had to be a heartbreaker. They were up by five points with less than a minute left and turned the ball over. This game, they go down, they up one. Uh, on a rebound, they get a chance maybe to go up two points, three, to kind of put the game away. Can't get the rebound, and they foul the guy. So he goes to the line with about nine seconds left in the game. 
He front rims it. They can't quite get up. The dude tips it in. Looks like it could have been goaltending. It's close. They go look at the monitor. So the referees did do the right thing then. They go look at the monitor, even though the prayer view uh, tried to, you know, get the ball out of the hole and get down the court. They got down there, basically missed the layup um, on, on that part of it. But the whistle was blowing, so you don't know what that would have meant. So go look at the monitor, as I said, and the basket is ruled that it's good. Um, and so they lose a heartbreaker there. So it's been tough, uh, Prairie View, but now they got a chance to go to Alabama A&M. And Texas Southern got right on Alabama A&M, uh, where they just pretty much led that wire to wire and beat up on Alabama A&M. And so it's going to be interesting to see what Prairie View can do in that new gymnasium. As you talked about, Saturday they had a really good crowd um, in that uh, basketball game, at least from the aesthetics from television as I watched the streaming. Looked good in there. They was into it loud. Um, you know, obviously Saturday, Monday can be a little different. So it'd be interesting to see what that looks like. Um, so I'm also focused on that game just because of, of the, see where Prairie View is, is can they get right uh, in terms of them being picked at the top. It looks like Texas Southern turning around. They get a chance to go to Alabama State, which is always a tough place to play. Can they find a way to get two on the road after giving up a couple at home? That would be a big statement to maybe right the ship and see if they can start turning things around. Um, the, you, you mentioned it, Doc, and so I, I guess I have to follow it up, but the, the Alcorn FAMU game on Saturday came very close to being one of the all-time lowest scoring outputs by a Division One team in the shot clock <laughs> era. Uh, sadly, you know, I, I hate to mention it, but I, I have to mention it because I'll get called out if I don't. Alcorn beat FAMU 57 to 47. That 47 point, again, 47. Uh, FAMU is the lowest scoring offense in the nation. 350-something 300, teams. <laughs> but that 47 almost tied the 45, which is the low mark. Well, I take that back. It's not the low mark. It's the ceiling of low marks. Put it like that. So if you want to be in the top 100, get the 45 points and stay at 45. And you will officially be a part of the the 100 lowest scoring games in in the shot clock error, uh, not error, era of college basketball. You had the right error. <laughs> right. I, I felt like I, I felt right when I said it. Right. But I just wanted to No, 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 clear. no. It is error. But it, it was an error. <laughs> yes. E yeah. So anyway, yes. Yeah, so the off, rather. they they scored yeah. that. Uh, it was it, they were underneath the forty five. They they scored that basket, which was a three by Jalen Bates. So you can thank him. Um, it was assisted by Jordan like, Tillman what, with thirty with thirty one seconds. So it was a garbage time bucket. Wow! Wow! <laughs> Jeez Louise! <laughs> They were 31 seconds away from being – oh, man. All right, let's move on before I say something that's going to get me in trouble. Uh, Division let's two. To, let's go to NAIA, Brian. Oh, skip Division two for a second, go to NAIA. All right. Yeah, thank you. We'll come. All right. Uh, all right, here we go. I'm hearing some clicking there. It might be me. All right. Uh, number in the hut from the NAIA level is Stillman College. 
12 and 8 record, 8 and 4 in conference play. Uh, Stillman, part of the Southern States. Are they still part of the Southern States, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Xavier of the Red River Athletic Conference is number five with a 12 and 6 record, 7 and 4 in conference play. Philander Smith, uh, in the fourth spot for the uh, consecutive week last week, also in the four, 13 and three overall, three and two, part of the GCAC. Dillard dropped the spot, uh, sort of did a little flip flop there, as Dillard now is in the three spot of the GCAC, 10 and three, 10 and two and one overall. Langston got back on the winning track with a pair of wins, so they moved up back to the number two spot. 18 and 1 overall, 12 and 1 in conference play, and the number one team for the second consecutive week, the Tougaloo Bulldogs. 15 and 1 overall, 4 and 0 in the GCAC. And uh, that's how that's that's our top five for NAIA. Uh, Drew, are we ready for Division Two? And then Doc will kind of get your yeah. summary of the one of two and NAIA. Uh, Watch the screen, Brian. Uh, the graphic you have. I'm watching. Correct. All right. All right. Uh, wrong so, one. Wrong one. As I look at the Division Two top in the hunt, uh, we've got uh, a host of SIEC schools: Lemoyne, Owen, Tuskegee, Savannah State, and Kentucky State, all in the hunt. Uh, a pair of teams that were previously in the hunt have moved into the top five. Virginia State is the fifth-ranked team this week, 13-6 overall, 6-2 and two in the CIAA. And Claflin, one spot ahead of them, 14-3, 6-3 in the CIAA. Uh, they, those two were in the hunt a week ago. Number three, Miles College, the Golden Bears dropped from – Two to three, they are ten and three in conference play. Fourteen to four overall. Jumping up two spots into the number two spot, the Virginia Union uh, Panthers of the CIAA. Sixteen and four overall record. Six and two in conference play, and still holding firm at number one, West Virginia State. Uh, 15 and three overall, nine and three in the Mountain East. Uh, Drew is, uh, I don't know for sure, is um, West Virginia State, are they still uh, in first place in the Mountain East? No, they are. Uh, and they to the number a spot in our record despite having two losses this week, which shows the margin that they had ahead of the number two team. My bad. Number two team lost. They would still maintain uh, that number one and number two lost. Uh, Miles losing last night to Tuskegee and Union down to uh, despite winning uh, just when they would get enough points to overtake at number one, but they did get enough to overtake Miles. Uh, also this week, he said Savannah lost, and I believe Tuskegee split this week. So that's why you see a lot of shuffling in July. Give love to the CIAA over here. Just want, just want to let you know that. You know, some 
your polls at the uh, lead the Seattle laid out. You know, we want to give some love to the Seattle that is over there. And they are side football. It looks like, uh, oh yeah, that's why Virginia Union is the basketball school. College just come on as of late. But we've always known Virginia to be a, a basketball going uh, Charles and Wallace and and people like that. Before I go to be on the NFL level, Tougaloo continue to be in the GEC and there I think a slight bump despite Langston having more all wins, you know, Langston dropped and that, that's basically the difference between those two. But uh, also lost a couple of games this week. Uh, they lost two, lost one in conference, lost to Xavier, who's our number five team. So uh, throw those things and why some of the teams are in the position that they are. I'll turn it over to Caville so he can go ahead and uh, chat with me. Drew, gotcha. put your let me uh, figure, put your headphones on. Put your headphones on mute for a second. I want to see if we might be having a little audio static coming through. So I don't know if that might be your uh, your your pods there. Uh, so I just want to make sure people can hear. I don't know. If it, figure it out who it is coming through. Okay, go ahead, Dot. Yeah, I think I might have been Drew. Uh, go ahead, Dot. Uh, if you can, go ahead. Your your thoughts on the uh, on. I'm gonna on start thoughts. with the D two. Um, in terms of the D2, again, I'm always interested because uh, the poll we do mixes both the NIA and Division Two, And I'm going to really go in on the the, 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 the the NIA, but I'm going to be a little more a nicety with the Division Two. You got West Virginia State at number one. I think I can see that. Um, interesting that the Virginia Union climbed two spots in terms of what they were able to do in the rankings this week. So I'm fascinated about that. Um, you... Have the CIAA with three teams, obviously a tougher conference. So it's hard for me to push back that you got three of the CIAA teams in there and just one of the SIC. At least I know that you're not biased from the SIC. So uh, <laughs> we can see that going on. Um, but I, I might see Claflin as a little high. Um, I, I, I'm trying to figure out if I want Virginia State over Claflin in terms of rankings of their or do you push Miles down to the five spot uh, in terms of what they getting in there? I think they do deserve to be in the top five, but I might be a little concerned about them being three. So I might have Virginia State at three, Claflin staying at four, but Miles down to five uh, in terms of what I look like there. Um, um, that 15 to three is really good uh, for West Virginia State. So it's hard for me to see Virginia Union over them particularly their tough couple of weeks they've had. They bounced back and had a big win. I got to see that game yesterday uh, that they just trounced um, getting it done in the CIAA uh, in terms of that matchup that was on CW that I saw. So uh, that was good to be able to see the action there in a lot of ways in terms of what took place uh, on my mind, what that looks like. Let me go into this um, NIA poll. Langston was three last week. It's good to see they at least at two, but I'm surprised they're number, number one. That they were three last week scares me in terms of 
uh, the, whatever the computer rankings is doing on the men's side of this is just amazing. I'm like, oh man, women's to be so nice, and the women's just to throw up. You know, I, it, we're, it's almost like you had a high expectations. Of team. Exactly. I guess I'm gonna bounce back a little bit because I told you how much I love undefeated in conference play. Uh, and Tougaloo is, but it's just 4 0. I need a couple more games before I get excited that much about undefeated in conference play. Seeing at 15 1, you got to give them respect there. I think I'd have Langston at number one versus Tougaloo. Um, Dillard sitting at 10 and 3. They had a tough loss to Xavier this weekend, and although um, Xavier had six losses, 12 and 6, I'm probably going to push Dillard to 4 with Philanna Smith having them at 3. Um, actually, I take it back. I'm probably going to have Philanna Smith at three, Xavier at four, and Dillard at five. Uh, and so I do agree with you still been being in the hunt outside of it and can't quite get in the top five. So it's not that much about your top five. I just have some concerns about the rankings, the order of my top five. So and, and, uh, great job with the women's computer, but on the men's computer, we need to go fix something. Something, something happened. You must have took a nap between the two. <laughs> Computer. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> exactly. But no, if I remember correctly, Doc, and I have when we actually had our cutoff, uh, when we did, was also in conference. They wound up the game after the cutoff. And I'm, I'm just like, have the numbers in front. That difference on why Dillard like head of Langston as, but if I like the the margin between one and three was so, my it was it, it really it really really wasn't anything that was concerning. To me. You know, it would have been five points high or something like that. Then yeah, I would have been a little concerned about the form at that point. I, Together, and matter of fact, in was over who defeated Dillard for one of the losses, and they lost to somebody in conference. Remember who they lost? So that was the gotcha. Well, at least your explanation is is pretty good there. I still have some problems with the concern, but your explanation makes it at least logical. All right, um, so the top five, we'll make sure to publish those again on social media, Twitter and Instagram, uh, and we get the auto responses ready as Southern fans get ready to blast the BC. <laughs> There's nothing like a nothing like a good old top five controversy early in the year because I know they're going to blast. They're going to be like, we were number one the first three weeks, and now we're not even in the top five. This, you know, I, I can hear it now. I may have to – may have to – we may have to get Carlos to put out a disclaimer about, uh, you know, the computer is what it is and don't overreact too early to the computer. You know, maybe he can help us and talk to Jaguar Nation. But uh, I, I think that's who – Doc, you said Howard, but I, I, I got a feeling we'll probably get the most complaints from Jaguar Nation. That's that's my bet for the week. Uh, we'll do a I formal agree. poll. You're right. Yeah, that, You're right. that'll be the group that comes in with the most vitriol for our poll next week. Again, these are rankings. Excuse me, not a poll. These are rankings. This is the computer's fault. 
uh, for eating too much popcorn and 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 the, the all the other stuff that y'all do out there, wins, losses, conference play, non-conference, strength of schedule, all this other stuff that you force us to have to evaluate. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for for our show. Uh, as Jeremiah Clark reminded me, uh, got to you know, uh, we, we got we got some other business to take care of on the other side. Uh, appreciate the heads up. Big game going on in, in San Fran. Uh, ridiculous. Uh, but, uh, you know, we, we, we got to make sure we get it covered. So, again, want to encourage you to go back and take a listen to the show uh, and catch our thoughts on Ed Reed's situation. More to come, I'm sure. I, I would like to say this final, a couple of closing thoughts here, and then I'll, I'll give it to Doc and Drew to close out. Um, a, I'd love to see the level of reporting here and find out, you know, who are the decision makers right now in the Bethune Cookman process? I think that's a big question. And so whether it's, uh, you know, um, whether it's uh, our, our, our friends over at HBCU Game Day, I know where. Um, uh, uh, where Vaughn, Vaughn, I know covers a lot of things for Florida within the state of Florida, whether it be Vaughn, uh, whether it be the folks over at Hale Wildcats, um, uh, my, you know, uh, I, I, somebody, somebody explain this decision making process. And, 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 cause I think that's where a lot of people have questions. So it'll be interesting to see which news group reports and can explain to us how the decisions are being made at first with the hiring or the in principle agreement to bring in Ed Reed. Let me rephrase that because it wasn't a hire. Uh, uh, and, and the and just the decision that went down in terms of what that looked like. You know, who made the call? Who was the last say? And is it true that Ed Reed was asked to leave on Monday but then he's touring campus with Edron James as as uh, as far as forty eight hours later. Those are just questions, you know. If I were an editor of a news desk, doc, that's what I would be asking my young cub reporters to go out and get me. I'd say that's what I need to find out. So, you know, I'm 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 a little too busy to go do it myself. So I'm challenging our HBCU brethren to go out and get the story. Let the people know what's going on. Okay, that's number one. Number two, I got to give Eddie George some props because I think through all of this, I love how Eddie George uh, on a podcast, I think on MLK Day, intelligently broke down the money that is owed to Tennessee State University, right? And I think people should not forget Eddie George, there's a reason Eddie George does not go the route of his Hall of Fame brethren. Eddie George got business ties in that community that he ain't going to mess up with some with some Instagram posts, some rants, and tweets. <laughs> Eddie George has bigger moves that are being made. He, you know, so, uh, but he did point out very, uh, I, I thought it, it was well said, well-informed, keyword informed, uh, that there's a lot of money that is owed to Tennessee State University. And if and when Tennessee State can get that money, 
what Tennessee State can do with that money. He didn't go out and say, we want a new multi-level stadium. Did you hear what he said? He talked about endowments, infrastructure. Uh, he, he, you know, he didn't talk about building a hundred million dollar football complex for Tennessee State football. You know, he could have easily said that, but he didn't. Take note of that. Take note of what are leaders at your institutions who are part of the front step of the university are saying it matters. Doc, uh, your your final thoughts uh, on uh, from tonight or just in general? I'm going to stick with Eddie George. He uh, eloquently waxed poetic about the state uh, affairs at Tennessee State University from multiple levels. Um, and he did it. He's very measured and careful. I had a chance to interview him part of OBC during the football season, asked him about matchups, and I knew that uh, the report was there when he had a great smile based on the question that I asked. Um, and so there's a, some appreciation I have with the way that he's going about his business. Um, and I must be upfront, you know, I was curious when he decided to take his job, but he's so upfront and he talked about the reason why he took the job uh, and how it was offered to him. So to be upfront, and it just tells you that there's no necessarily right answer. People have different styles or whatever, um, and we may uh, appreciate different styles. But it's important when somebody that does take the time to do the homework and puts it out there. There's always attention on um, a different style. Uh, that's just the arena that we live in, uh, the man in the mirror, if you would in regards to um, this sporting landscape that is chaotic at times, but it's refreshing to see somebody that is able to navigate it in the way he is. So I, I, I'm hoping that he has some success as he continues to build the brand, obviously, except for when he plays SWAC institutions, uh, just because, uh, or MEAC institutions for that matter, uh, but which he actually plays too next year. He has Pine Bluff. In the Southern Heritage Classic, as Jackson has moved out and moved on. Uh, but for homecoming, I believe they have Norfolk State. So they get a chance to play Swag Miak. Uh, in those cases, I hope they don't do well. But uh, I would love to see them go undefeated, frankly, in OVC. Well said. Uh, Drew, your, your final thoughts as we close the show. question. Uh, Dr. Cavill, United, you know, when there'll be a HBC United because if you have not had a chance to be on, we there are some interests that we have on there. I try to get on there, Doc. I get in as I can. But should everyone? Yes, they traditionally have their Wednesday night, as always, in terms of HBCU. Uh, nightly. Um, I knew there was some talk about them doing it tonight, but I don't see uh, where they actually have decided to do it. So for sure, they tend to do one on Monday nights, I mean on Wednesday nights, but I would say check it out because they will take a liberty in and do a space uh, based on the dialogue that's taking place. So they did one during the day yesterday. It was a byproduct of HBC Nightly, if you would, some of the guys 
uh, a gentleman in Washington from Alcorn State. He did one yesterday when the news broke, uh, dialogue that took place over a period of time. Uh, but I was seeing where there was considered to be a night leave for tonight, but I don't see any updates that decided that they decided to go with it. So I would say check um, HBCU nightly uh, on Twitter. That's at HBCU nightly, N-I-G-H-T-L-Y. Uh, and you will be able to keep up when they do the shows outside of the traditional Wednesdays at um, 8 o'clock Central Standard Time, 9 o'clock EST. Uh, and Brian, you mentioned uh, the speakers that don't get one eight months. Florida A and M was that same question. Other decision makers, and we don't understand the process. So I just throw that ask, but those. Fam, you when we uh, had to protest a African American history, a required because it was not a required course at or the A and M University when it came and to see years later, when it's not African American history become an advanced placement course disturbs me. So for those of all who are please stand up your opinions known about this if you support if you support that issue. Not to be getting political, but you know it's it's all African American, uh Asian Hispanic American, it's all important that those of the side European Western civilization. And, and as we're all right uh again hey doc appreciate you uh joining us tonight uh being a part of the show again you guys make sure to check out doc uh charles washington uh, charles washington charles bishop and mike washington uh, along with doc on tuesday and thursday evening uh 7 p.m eastern 6 central as doc inside the Asia Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. And uh, those guys will all uh, be there. Hopefully everybody's there. Hopefully, hopefully everybody's well. Uh, you might see Drew if he's called in to be the uh, substitute adjunct professor in the house. You may see Drew uh, get called in. So he's always on standby. Uh, but uh, we'll, we'll see what happens again uh, on the show. And then also his paperwork I just got an update. I'll tell you here, the paperwork is now at the board. We're waiting for board to ratify. Okay. All right. You're almost there, Drew. You're almost there. And Can I promise track? I Can won't be between now and <laughs> That'd be smart. That'd be smart. Make me, as they say, make me look good. Make me look good. And I promise I'll at least get through that probationary period before I go break. <laughs> That'll work. <laughs> um, Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern. You can uh, tune in right here as well on the Black College Sports Network, the ONG Strike Zone. Uh, myself, Kevin Rozier, Kofi Hemingway, catch you up on all things related to Florida A&M athletics and culture. Um, 
And then on uh, Saturday, a big weekend of basketball. I know we've also got Carlos Brown show Saturday, uh, 11 Eastern, oh, noon Eastern, 11 Central. And then a big day of basketball being broadcast on the Black College Sports Network as several, actually all of our schools, I think, are playing on Saturday. So uh, stay, stay abreast of everything going on with the Black College Sports Network. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at MyBCSN1. That's the number one. Go download the Jericho Broadcast Network's app on the Apple App Store or the on Google Play. Just search MyJBN, MyBCSN. And then for you podcast listeners out there, the BCSN Pod Zone is where you can listen to every show in audio format on all of the major uh, podcasts, functions, Spotify, uh, Amazon, Google, uh, Amazon, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio. We're everywhere. So a uh, great place to, to listen to shows uh, it, when you're in your car or at work and maybe some of those other functions like YouTube or something like that's not working. We are everywhere trying to continue to uh, advance the discussion and keep you up to date of the Black College Sports Network in our 25th year of broadcasting and telling stories about the HBCU uh, sporting diaspora, as Dr. Cavill would say. Uh, that's going to do it for the show. Again, thanks to Dr. Kenyatta Cavill. Uh, follow him on Twitter at D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. And you can follow Drew on Twitter at BCSN Drew. And you can find me at DRB365. That's going to do it for tonight's show. Thank you, guys. Thanks to everybody on YouTube, Facebook, everybody. Conversations, great thoughts, commentary. Love you all. Appreciate you all. And go ahead and share the show. Hit the thumbs up button on your way out. And that's going to do it. Be safe and peace out, everybody. But you must stay on heart.